Welcome to the show, everyone. How's everyone doing? Uh, quick reminder, everyone. That's Eugene, by the way. I'm going to get to that in like a hot minute. Um, quick reminder, this is a podcast, which means that if you're not watching right now, you'll probably be listening to this later, hopefully. Um, so we're not going to be taking questions from chat or any kind of stuff like that is a show. Just a quick reminder. Um, but otherwise, welcome to episode four with uh, the phenomenal Eugene Simon. Eugene, how's it going, dude? Hey, man. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank I'm, you. I'm really well. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on. It's been a journey to get here, but I- uh, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate your patience. We, and... we have been trying. We've been trying to properly get this lined up for ages. Mm -hmm. I was I was hoping to come and be with you. I was hoping to come across and actually be sat down next to you. Should we tell them the story? it wasn't so. <laughs> Should we tell them the story? Because it was pretty- it, it seemed like- <laughs> it seemed like what happened there was like the perfect Hollywood moment. I know. I know. It was- it was one of those things where everything was lined up. Everything, yeah. all our ducks were in a row. And then something came along at work came along and was like, okay, we have to change everything up. And so what did we do? Like two weeks, what was it? Two, it two was, weeks? It was, are we, are we, how late week. are we? It was, so we, we're, yeah, right. okay, so we're like two weeks late. So, all right, so this right. this show's supposed to come out, every episode's supposed to come out at the end of the month or the very beginning of the, of the next month. It's a one, one a month right. show because I have other things to do, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But you so, don't. no, yeah, this is, I wish that, <laughs> the dream, um, but so, right now, so we, uh, Eugene had like booked flights to Toronto, right? He, he, we had like sorted out coming on to, you know, in, in, cause usually this part, this is the first time this podcast has ever been done online, right? I always, in the past, it's always been someone coming to the show. So, well, you've just popped the online cherry of evening drinks podcast. I'm so, I'm so honored. I'm Have, so honored to be the one. There you go. But yet, yet everything lined up. And then I get an email through from my agent saying that there's this lovely, this job, which I was, um, I was sent through. And uh, this World War One film, which I've just finished filming, but also not finished filming because we have to go back to do. So I had so suddenly, like the following week, like I think you and I were scheduled to do, it was a Saturday, the first it was Saturday like of October. It, yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, right, right. And I was going to come to Toronto and I was so looking forward to it because I was going to do everything. I was going to Airbnb, I was going to rent a car, I was going to go to the falls, I was going to actually get to see the city. Yeah. And uh, who knew? Like a nice, a nice job came along. So we had to. You, you know what? Like, and I totally understood it because, yo, if you're getting a job, why would you turn that down, right? Like, so I'm, I'm just glad that you were able to uh, come on for the actual show, regardless of, you know, using online methods versus being in here. Hopefully, we'll get you on again, and we could do it in person, and, and you know, that'll be fine. I think that, that, that'll have to happen, man. And that, I get to see your crib. Yeah, exactly. I get to see your crib and your cats. My, we have three of them. They're, three. Ass they're assholes. They are. <laughs> they are assholes. Uh, but seriously, I had cats, dude. Appreciate, story. appreciate you coming on. Um, let's... Let's get into it because there's a. I know that we had a really good pre-prep call, pre-prep, pre, just a prep call, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I got really excited after that because we kind of started yeah. doing the podcast in the call by mistake. So, it, it, which is always a good sign. Always a good sign. Um, yeah. I'm gonna quickly just make sure uh, in chat if one of my mods is there. Just to, I don't talk to chat during these, but I just want to make sure the audio and the uh, the audio and video and everything sounds good to everyone. Um, cause I don't, do it, man. I don't want to record this and then it find out like no one could hear anyone for the whole time. Um, don't worry. Forgive me if at some point I just start eating an apple. Yo. That, this is, this is, this is my mid, my podcast snack. Yo man, like you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Free. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, if you can just double, let, just confirm in chat, if audio, video, all that sounds good. And then we'll, we'll continue. I just, I want to make sure it's a hundred percent before we go. Cool. Um, 
But yeah, this will be uh, on Spotify and, and Google and uh, Google Play and iTunes and all that stuff in a couple of weeks once I've gotten down to editing it. Uh, so it'll be on all platforms uh, later on. But uh, I just want to make sure everything sounds good. Uh, okay, it's confirmed. We all sound great. Okay, so I really want to just get like stuck in. I think yeah. the best thing to do first, okay, is to share, share our feelings. No, <laughs> I, think, I think the best thing to do first is to uh, talk about what you're doing, man. So like for people who aren't aware, who are you? What do you like? What's your favorite color? And uh, and uh, what are you doing at the moment? Man, you're going you're going deep too quickly, so dude. Deep. I can't handle that. That's too much. That's you're, so you're going meta before you've even got real. Oh my god. Um, so my name is Eugene Simon, and I'm an actor. I've been an actor since I was eight, since I was a kid. And the jobs that I know for most commonly around the world are, are two shows, which is playing Lancel Lannister on Game of Thrones, or Brother Lancel, depending on which side of the story you follow. He's my favorite. You, you, which 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 way you want to go with it. Um, and then knowing another show, which I did uh, at the same time as Game of Thrones, which is called House of Anubis on Nickelodeon. Those are the two shows when I was 18 that I started doing. Um, and they kind of, between between sort of North America and most of Europe and, well, pretty much a lot of places around the world, those are what kind of brought me into, shall we say, some kind of, some pe into people's minds. Okay. Um, and I, I, and since then, basically, I've been kind of, a, I've been a working actor since I was, literally since I was a child. Um, and I'm someone who has spent the last, how is it? The last kind of four years just sort of working fairly solidly between the States and the UK. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite a kind of nomadic individual. I, Los Angeles and London are kind of my real, my semi-constant home. What's your split in time on that, by the way? I'm out of, out of curiosity, because I know you bounce between the two, but like, what do you think? Like, are you mainly in LA or mainly London or is it like 50-50? It's, it's like 40-60 pretty much. So like LA is four months, five, four, five months out of the year. Okay. And I would say London is the rest. Of them. But I mean, it's, it's, I always fly all over. But place. are you like there for long chunks and then you swap or is it like every couple of weeks you're bouncing? It's, it's, it's usually long chunks. So I usually will take like, for example, last year, I did five months out here. Okay. I did I did two months at the start of the year, and I did three months from July. Well, more actually, like four months, like three months all the way from July until November. Mm -hmm. So I, I usually do it in chunks. Have you? Because um, it's easier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and obviously, yeah. when you're doing a role, like it's you got to be there for a while, right? So, uh, are you, right. do you have like out of curiosity? I, I don't want to get into it too deep right now because I think it's something I want to get into later. But it's just because it's top sure. of mind. Right. When you split your time so evenly between the two, even like 60, 40, whatever it might be, do you have like, like friends in both locations that you can't, you know, you, you, you know, right. do you have a life like roots in both or are you very much in one and kind of just in the other for work? So I've been coming here for eight years and I've got a really great kind of group of friends set up. Like this Sunday, we're all sitting down and we're going to watch like the old, like I think some of the original Doctor Who's together on Sunday night, okay. just 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 because we can. So I have like a lovely group of really bohemian friends out in LA. They're writers and they're, they're writers and they're, 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 you know, they're photographers and they're artists and they're designers. And they're, you know, it's a, it's a really nice kind of mixture of people from different forms, different artistic backgrounds. So I, and I met a lot of them just kind of just through doing some of the work that I was doing out here. It's just people I really connected with. So I, I have, I have friendship groups on both sides of the pond who I just, who all of, all of whom I love. And I've been thinking for a while now, well, like at what point in the future will all of them end up kind of meeting? Like, when am I going to yeah. be able to get these groups to kind of blend together, you know, you, even if it's only for a day? Do you think they'd like each other? <laughs> That's my biggest fear with I my friends. I, th I, I think they would be like, oh, wow, you're new. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> See, I'm really weird about it because, like, I don't mix friends. Like, 
I, right, like, right. like, so I've got like my friends who are in the same streaming circle as me. And those are my friends right. and they're very good friends. Some of them are very close. Some of them are best friends for me, but right. I don't tend to try and cross over too much. Cause I did one, um, I think it was a birthday I had like a couple of years ago where I tried just to bring everyone together and it was a hot shit show. And so ever since then, I've just been like, mm, I'm just going to keep people. You kind of want to pick them. You pick the select right, ones. It's you difficult. Know you... It's difficult. So I, that's why Gary. I was curious because we have different. It is. We have, I don't really have too many friends in the UK anymore. I used to have a split circle and now I don't really have that anymore. So I was just very curious for your lifestyle and like how you travel. Uh, it yeah, seems like you got roots in both. The thing is, man, like that, like, like that lifestyle kind of, at least for me, because the lifestyle for me is so back and forth. Like it's, it's always, it's, it's, it's so, uh, like what's the right terminology? It's, it's so by, it's really bipolar. Like I'm once I'm, I'm, I'm flying all over the, I'm flying one, one day I'm in London. I'm fine. I'm seeing friends and we're having a drink at the pub. And then suddenly I'm, you know, I, I'm up sticks and I'm leaving. And I, and I don't really give many people that much notice because most of my site, my site is always set on my, my work, you know, because that's sure. that's what I want. That's what I am. That's what I do. So I always suddenly reappear in LA, and I'll suddenly reappear in London. And it's gotten past the point now where you know you arrive and you always think, oh crap, I have tons of friends who I have to message, let them know I'm here. It's but just what it's casual. It just is casual. Yeah, oh, okay. that that has melted away over the past five years. Okay, so and I, I was driving through LA last night, yeah. and I met up with an Australian friend of mine who's an actor who comes here all the time as well. Chris Hemsworth. And I realized was it, was it Chris? driving. Huh? Was it Chris? Huh? Was it Chris Hemsworth? No. Are you sure it wasn't Chris? Hemsworth? Hemsworth? <laughs> <laughs> the only one I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only Aussie mate. No, no. It was it was um a guy called Charles Terrier who's an actor, a wonderful guy who I've known for a while, and he um. And I realized just driving through LA how many places I've lived in in mm -hmm. this town. I've, I have stayed in a dozen more different houses, L and Airbnb and through different like rental sites. And it's so you do Airbnbs a... like long term, like big chunks. This is where I'm at, yo. Really? I thought you actually Airbnb owned something situation. in LA. I thought you rented in LA. I'm currently in someone else's home. Wait, did you used to rent? Nomad life. What? Did you used to rent? Did I used to rent yeah. all the time when I came here? Yeah, when you, yeah. I thought you used to own something in LA. So I was looking at a place, but then work happened. It's uh, just what happens. I was looking, so earlier this year, I was looking at a place to buy. Mm -hmm. And then I got a job in a film, a little film. And then I did a play for two for, for two months. Mm -hmm. And I did a film that I just finished. And yeah. now it's, yeah. He's a busy boy. It, it, He's a busy boy. It's, yeah, dude, it's been a good year, man. It's been, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to say, but we'll, we'll come on to that in a second. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, it's, Cause it's, I, I'm so, um, I've been, I've been doing, I've been doing some, like I, I love this is like my favorite research. It's basically watching movies in bed. It's like the best research ever. <laughs> okay, um, right. we've been we've been catching up on some of your works, and uh, and we're gonna get into it in a second. I just on this last uh, on this last bit about like just well, I'm sure we'll circle back to it. But for right now, quick question: What do you? And this is from an expat point of view, right? What do you actually prefer, LA or London? Like, what do you do? You prefer the UK or do you prefer Los Angeles? I love Los Angeles in that I love the people I've met in it. So I love, I, 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 I lo what makes Los Angeles is the family of friends that I've got. That's right. the kind of feeling that I have. The people are, um, what I love about LA, and I will come to London, but what I love about LA to start with is the crowd I hang out with are so, um, the variety of people who work in different kind of areas is so, it's so eclectic mm -hmm. um, that there's always something to learn and something to be something to have fun about and something to talk about with them. I find that it's really, really um, 
it's such a mixed bag. And that's that's pretty much what LA is. I mean, it, it's such a huge city that you're always going to meet people from different walks of life. Yeah. But I, th- I think what I, 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 what I feel is that, that my friendship group in Los Angeles is, is so varying that whenever I am not hunting for jobs, uh, which is pretty much all the time, <laughs> I always have something. Yeah, exactly. I always have someone who, some people that are really, really crazy and unique who kind of, uh, you know, who are, I don't know, making bits of like sculpture art. That so that you got very creative friends. You got super yeah, creative. Very creative friends. Got you. I got you. In okay. the UK, creative friends too, for sure. But the, the thing about London is that it's just the, I think it's just that I've, I'm fam- I've lived there my whole life. I'm, I'm, I am, I'm familiar with it. And I think I like it as a city. I think I probably like it as a city a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known friends I've grown up with my whole life there. So it's so familiar. But I think just London as a city, as somewhere that I can call home, um, is it's still very familiar to me. It's still very close to my heart. You know, walking down Brick Lane, Spitalfield Market, you know, that kind of east side of London is yeah. always places I like to go to. So I think the city of London, I like more. I identify with the culture more just because I'm probably from there. But your social but setting is, is better. In my social it. setting is, yeah. And, but, but, but I find that what, I, what is so much more exciting about America is it really is for me, meant psychologically, just this like unbelievably exciting kind of frontier. Sure. There's so I mean, many also, but you're living that you're living that Hollywood dream right now, right? The good, the good, and the bad of it, right? Like when I say dream, it yeah, matter. right. Sometimes <laughs> it's a nightmare, right? But I mean, right. you know, so but you're living that kind of that storybook kind of American dream life right now, where it's like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying this is you, but for people out there who maybe not be familiar with you or whatever, or maybe they are, you know, I'm sure in some people's heads, it's like one of those situations where it's like this guy comes to LA and he's got stars in his eyes and blah, 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 blah. And in their minds, it's like this perfect, like la la land kind of scenario. Obviously real life is real life, but it's it's interesting right. and kind of cool to, to talk to someone that is actually doing the 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 storybook kind of challenge, right? If if right. that makes sense, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, no, no. That's that's not that's not far off point. It's 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 uh, it, yeah. I come here and I try to do as much as I can to be living that you know that that positive actor's lifestyle. Um, and the rest of it, the rest of it, the rest of it is just working towards that end, pretty much. Right. So let's let's talk about the work. Let's talk about the work because it, it's 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 super fascinating to me. Like I, it's such a different like life than I have, right? And it's, so I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally yeah. I- interested in this. So let, let's talk about, because um, uh, you've done some plays and you've done some films. What do you, what do you actually prefer? Because there's a lot of actors, right? That prefer stage and vice versa. What are you, are you more of a stage actor or do you prefer film? So my, my kind of, my work, my CV, should we say today, would suggest that TV and film are my strongest sort of suits. I like all of them. I am very attached to every every medium, but I do find that, I mean, really what it is a question, it's, it's more every, every each genre that you want to go into, theater, TV or film, is just a question of timing, in my, to my mind. You have to figure out what it is, when, when is it most appropriate to do the one that you most want to do at the time, at, you know, and, how, what, and do you have the time to be able to fit it in? So for example, like, a the, like, like doing a play that I just finished at the Southwark Playhouse, doing a play called for king and country, I played an Anglican priest in the First World War, a padre. Okay, someone who was some, which is quite a quite a quite a quite a difficult subject. That's a hefty role. The First World, right, right, and so dog collar and thing, and 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 it was quite a it was quite a you know quite a heart 
you know, quite a quite a quite a tragic kind of story, really. Can you just give a little synopsis on it? Because I I wanted to see it, but I was never actually in London when 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 I got to London, it was over, which I was really bummed about. Right. But yeah, can you for people that are listening, can you give a little synopsis on it? Absolutely. So, for King and Country is is a story about a young soldier in the trenches of the First World War in 1917 in Passchendaele. A very a massive, huge, bloody military operation that took place. Three hundred thousand plus died. Okay. Who is put on trial for desertion and cowardice in the face of the enemy? There were over three hundred British people who were shot for this sort of thing. It's quite dark. So that's that. That was this 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 play, and it's about his trial basically, the defence and the prosecution. How is he going to be? How is he going to stand up in a trial? And I play a padre who was defending him. That was the role of uh the that that was that was his 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 role within the story. Sure. So. For me, as the actor playing, doing, stepping onto the stage, really effectively for the first time, that was just a dream. That was just the most wonderful thing in the world to do something real and live. Mm-hmm. It's just a buzz. And that was and your first time doing it professionally. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Cool. Because like that was the reason I ask is like Patrick Stewart, for example, right? He did that play. I can't remember what it was called. Maybe you'll remember. It's about like a couple of years ago, like 2016. He did it with Ian McKellen. Waiting, is it Waiting for Godot? Waiting for Godot with, with Ian McKellen? Yes, with, that um, one. Ian right. McKellen? So they like lived right. together in London for like six months, which was hilarious right. because they would post this stuff on Twitter and it was like, it was wholesome it's gold. Brilliant. It was brilliant. But they said the in like, was so good. it was so good, right? Like they're cooking dinner so and they'll do like a Twitter video or some shit, right? But it was right. cool because uh, in one of the interviews that Patrick Stewart did uh, for the play, uh, the question was asked. It was that's why I asked you because I was curious. It, it was, do you prefer, you know, film or stage? And he was, he said, like, I'll always be a stage actor. I love film, but like, stage is where I am. Like, that's where I prefer to be. Um, so I was just, I wasn't sure, like, if that's a common thing in your area in your business where it's like people kind of can do, they can cross over, but people that prefer stage to film or vice versa. Uh, that's why I was curious when I asked you because. Um, I, so the thing is, I feel a really intense connection to theatre, and, and it's and it's not something that I've done. I've, I've, I mean, I've certainly done when I was kind of you know in my school years, and I and I I was always I was always wanting to kind of get into. Um, but I, I, I was fortunate enough that TV and film, literally the day I turned eighteen. Okay, so on my eighteenth birthday, I got Game of Thrones and House of Anubis That's on the same crazy. day. Like, I, I'm like, dude, my mind was blown. I was like, well, what? what? That's like, crazy. I didn't no, even. I thought House of Anubis came before Game of Thrones. I didn't realize you were filming exactly. at the same time. Yeah, we literally were filming at the same time. Wow. So just to give it a bit of backstory. Mm. So yeah, I, 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 when I was eighteen, the day I turned, those were the two shows that I got. I left school, and the day I left school, I went up from London, well, from my boarding school to, to Liverpool, right, to film House of Anubis for the next three years, six months out of the year. But Game of Thrones during that six months, that half of the year, was pocketed in moments of it. Okay. They managed to be flexible enough to be able to do filming at the same time, right? Which was pretty crazy. Like if you've watched Game of Thrones, and maybe if you Google or have watched House of Anubis, they're very different genres, kind of Nickelodeon, kind of kids drama, and then yeah. But and also fantasy. they're very like what you had to go to. I'm assuming you went from Liverpool to Ireland back and forth, right? Because you filmed a yeah. lot in Malta and Ireland, right? Very, yeah, absolutely. We, I would go back all the time. Yeah, okay. So that what basically happened was that my TV and film career just took off. I mean, in a single word, it did. In two words, rather, it took off, and it was it was leading me in a direction that I've ended up being kind of I followed on from it since, and that brought me to LA. Right. Um, So, like a year later, I I went to LA for the first time, and my TV and film career kind of took off from there. So, theatre was always one of those areas where I hadn't explored because I was going, well, this is you know, you always want to you want to have a snowball effect if you if you're an actor, if you have a job, you want to have it something else. Any artist, momentum, of course, yeah. 
Right, exactly. So now that I've had a chance and I've been doing TV and film for, you know, give or take, uh, well, I'm 26 now, so <laughs> I can't believe I would say it'd be 18 Eight years. years. Oh, 18. Um, oh, yeah, because you did, you started, because I, mean, I was a kid, but. What did whatever. you do when you were a kid? Just remind me. So I did like, I did, when I was eight years old, I started by doing plays, but I did like Burger King and Daz adverts, yo, and Lego adverts. Yo, yeah. why Burger haven't King? you sent me yeah, these right, links? So, I want to see them. Yeah. What the <laughs> hell? Stuff is not online. Come yeah. on, dude. <laughs> you got to yeah. let me research. You got to let me <laughs> this research. Is You're, dude, I'm, this is you. I'm giving you the scoop, man. <laughs> Damn. So yeah, do Burger King, Daz, Nissan, Pathfinder car, and Lego. Wait, okay. I need to know. I need to know. Two things. Right. Nissan and Lego. What the fuck did you do for them? What did you? Uh, I was in the back of a car pretending that I had all stars on my body in order to kind of highlight kids like when you're trying when you're driving a kid around to school uh -huh. and you know they kind of want to always be playing the rough and tumble it shows how tough the car is and how durable it is i have to so see it's that kind of weird story about kind of kids that want to really just go out and play and you know be in the wilderness um and you know showing off how great the car is that was years ago i must have Yo, been like you need to send me a link 10? like privately Dude, i want to show I, on I stream it's vanished oh, it's no okay what about burger king what did you do did you like beat up the Dude, hamburger i literally I I feel like I want to give you an impression of it because it was I so want to see it. I, you better do it. So you've I already was, stepped up sit, to the I plate. I would sit there and I would wait for the camera to go action onto me. And basically all I would do was just bite into a massive burger, have ketchup <laughs> flood out the front oh of it. God. And then that was it. That was it, dude. Was the that burger was like, my, I've seen these adverts for like McDonald's, right? Like where they show you like the behind the scenes of how they make the Big Mac look like not a Big Mac, right? Like right, what the right. Big Mac should be. And they like, they like dry ice this motherfucker and they like, they have like smoke going around it. And they like, it's like the, the cheese has been like carbon, like hydrated to look perfect. Did you, was yours like that? Or did you get like a real burger? They made everything pristine. How'd it taste? This was, this was like, like 2001. So every, so it was really like, it was really different, but like they, they made everything look pristine. Yeah. How did it, was I want to know how it tasted. How'd it taste? Terrible. Terrible, I had a spit bucket, dude. dude that's what I've like, seen. Go, oh, wait, and they would go cut. Because like, no, I, I've seen like what they have to do in those adverts to make it look as good as they can. It's not edible. Dude. It's not edible. It's so bad. Oh, and, God. And, and, and I don't think the mustard was even mustard. Yikes. I think it was just color. Honestly? It was something else. So I, The, the so dark side I of your you. business. The dark side <laughs> of your business. All right? Like shit. I'm not going back, man. I'm not don't, going back. Don't go back to Burger King ads, back. man. Like they're not even popular anymore. Like they're, uh, they're, they're, they're like they're like Pepsi now. Like don't don't so do anyway, it. So anyway, I I I did those when I was a kid, and um, and then when I was twelve and thirteen, that's when my work kind of took me to bigger places. So I played, I played the younger self very briefly to Heath Ledger in the film Casanova. So that was the film I did when I was twelve, eleven, or twelve. I remember this. Yep. And from there, I did something called My Family, which is a, a, based on a book, a wonderful book by a guy called Gerald Durrell. Lots of some Brits might know it. About someone going to live in Corfu during the, just, just before the First World War, okay. who became a famous zoologist, loved nature, and I played him as a kid. Okay, Imelda Staunton and, and other directors. But and then like and then basically from six from thirteen to sixteen, I had I, I wasn't working. I was cool. Seventeen came around and I just started working again. I did a, a, a remake of Ben Hur uh, for yeah, a Canadian that. production company. Right. Um, I did a show on Nickelodeon called Summer in Transylvania. Um, and a, a couple of other things. And then, and then I started to, and then House of Noobs and Game of Thrones. So what so do you think is basically, been... dude, like oh, yeah. TV and, and, and then at school, like, there was, a, there was always a bunch of theater going on. Like I did, 
you know, uh, I did a, I did a bunch of little, I, I hand, maybe a dozen little plays at school, but okay. less. Um, so yeah, it's always, but so theater has always been that thing that I've wanted to really, really always make free time for, always wanted to really, really kind of fit in. But TV and film, it's this golden age that we're living in right now. Sure, I mean, there's so much now out nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about, we were talking about like content saturation, you and I a little while ago. Yeah, and, like there's so much now. I there's mean, there's, so there's content saturation going on on all forms of all streaming services. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, here's the weird thing. You'd think it would be content saturation because there's so much, but we're still watching it. Like we're, we're not, we're not shying away. I mean, it's too much. I'm not going to watch anything. We're like, no, you, I'm, I'm basically just making the list of everything that I want to watch because I, mean, I want to, I want to get it all. I mean, it's interesting. Know? I was, uh, what's that guy that you told me to research? I, I was watching the Joe Rogan podcast with him from three months ago today. Uh, it's funny. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, J- Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, Jordan, yeah, funnily enough, I was actually following on Twitter. Just that his stuff never comes up in my feed. Um, so I must right. have seen something from him before. But I was watching this thing and uh, with, with Joe Rogan. And uh, one of the things he mentions is he talks about saturation, right? But he actually talks about he, – he says that we're still – I'm taking this out of context because I'm not trying to get into the Republican sure. versus Democrat thing that they were getting into in in, the, in their like in their, in their podcast. But what he was saying is that stay you, away. Yeah, you still have loads of <laughs> options and everything is saturated. But you still have yeah. like if even like, for a podcast, he said as an example, right. he said right, like he said, you can be there are hundreds of thousands of podcasters out there, but people will still choose the 0.001 percentile of podcasters. So his point was that it can still be saturated, but it doesn't mean that you watch everything. You still just watch the very, or, or engage with the very precise, very minimal selected list that you have. What do you- Right. So like, I'm, I'm not, and that goes right. against kind of what you said, and I'm not saying he's right, but I kind of do vibe mm. him on it a little bit because there's I, so I, much content yeah. you actually have to drill down. Yeah, I think it comes down to filters in your mind. I think you have to, you, there's so much. All of us have an inbuilt kind of filtration system for any information we're consuming digitally or anything, you know. And, and so when it comes to the things you're offered, there's so many things when you first go onto any streaming service. Mm-hmm. Like I saw Ozark the other day and I was like, this sounds like a great it's series. It's a great I'm show, really by the way. Dude, I really have to sit down and get it done. I, I'm going to finish Better Call Saul, then I'm on it. It's a really good um, show. I, I think you'd like it. It's right. dark though. It's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. I've been told. So... So it's sitting there and it's waiting for me. And there are so many other shows that are around it, but for, but for, but whatever for whatever reason, that I, for reasons that are whatever you can say psychological, whatever, whatever your own personal choice. Sure, that is the one that I've zeroed in. Okay. okay, so it's not like I'm 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 going. It's not like I'm going through my Facebook feed and going, oh, this is all crap. I don't want to see. I don't. I, none of this is fakes anymore. I'm going to quit Facebook. You know, it's now going. Not that Facebook is an example. But, you know, a, bad example. <laughs> a bad example. A bad example because I'm hooked. Oh god. But. but it's it's it, I think it's pretty much the same on on Netflix. You mm-hmm. always are you're looking for something. You're trying to zero in on something that you find, and you might not know what it is. You have a genre or a type of thing you're feeling or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Interesting. So I think nowadays, kind of my feeling is there is so much content and there's so much opportunity as an actor in that field in TV mm-hmm. and film that I want to I I I I close the door on nothing. But right now, it's just a question of timing. That's really what I'm interested in, and theatre will be something that I'm gonna, I'm gonna you got endure when I get into it. I mean, man, but it's, you it's, got it's, time. It's, but, but. I think your career is budding right now. Like, I think you've had a very good year. Uh, I mean, I've I watched a lot. I'm not a horror guy. I I I hate horror films. I'm a coward. I'm I'm like the world's biggest coward. When it, I I found the others horrifying. Okay, like 
and spooky dude it's spooky <laughs> but it's not like you should hide behind a couch which is what i did and just listen but i watched the lodges i forced myself to watch the lodges okay uh for those listening that is one of the uh, the recent films that eugene's done it's on netflix um and it is it is horrifying in a good way it is it, i got so many um vibes of you know how i said it to my wife because we sat down and watched it i said yo if 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 the ring and the others had a baby it would be this film right i i don't know how else to explain it it was well yeah that's the thing about it is it's it's like a it's a ghost story. yeah and, and the thing about that is i always feel the director uh, brian o'malley um was really always using that word so specifically whenever we would talk about the film because Horror film has such a gory connotation to it, I think. Sure. You think of horror and I think of... Saw. Well, because I watched it when I was a kid. Yeah, I think of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There you go. I never... <laughs> I, I avoided that one. <laughs> I I was really damaged by that as a kid. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man. Yo, once you get to the human centipede, there's no going back, I man. I don't want to... Yeah, that one's it's, fucked. It's, it's, it's that much. one's another level of why am I here? Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. The worst of humanity. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was like stuff. not okay. But I get you. So, so with this film, let me. I'm gonna yeah. tell me if I do a good job on this. Okay. I'm not gonna do sure. a good. I'm. Uh, full warning. This is gonna be a terrible synopsis. All right. Because for the most part, I and my wife can attest to this. All I was saying was, nope, 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 nope. And looking <laughs> at Twitter because I was too scared. She was totally into it. By the way, she loved the film. She thought it was fucking great. She was like. I, oh, she good. said it like seven times through the film. She's like, "I'm so into this." It's like the perfect it's, it's film. It's good. It is. For her. I mean, it's a sweet, cool. It's a nice film, right? It's it, the style of really the film beautiful, is beautiful so, film. It's so it's such a um, cinematography was on point. Oh yeah, and yeah. and the, the style the, of the, the directing, the, the gothic kind of ambience yeah, of it, hundred percent, so... dude. It was amazing. It's, it was it was, and, and so so let me let me do my. So I'm marketing for you now. This is a hot plug. All right, this is a. So you should watch The Lodges on Netflix. One, because if Netflix does it, it must be good. If it wasn't on Netflix, well, there you go. It's on Netflix. So that's number one. Number two, if you like The Ring and the others and you like creepy gothic horror timepieces, which aren't yeah. jump scares, but just inherently creepy. And it really focuses on like the psyche of human beings who are like disturbed and broken people. You know, it's creepy. And if you like it, you're going to like it. Even if you don't right. like horror, like I don't like horror. The, it's one of those films where I'm trying to look away because I'm too scared, but I can't stop looking because I really want to know what happens. It's one of those. Yeah, right. I it, I feel like emos and goths all over the night on this one. Mm. It, it's kind of got it's 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 also very touching. Oh, it's beautiful. So it, the, the whole story is very beautiful. Not not to ruin anything. Not just there's no spoiler alerts at all, but just to to talk about it. it the backdrop is set in 1920 uh, Ireland. Mm. And it's set in a kind of old ascendancy house in the in the Irish kind of in, in in an unspecified part of the Irish countryside. So there's all that sort of and the you know the Irish War of Independence is going on. So there's a lot of that kind of anti-British sentiment. And my character is called Sean, who is who is an Irishman who fought for the British. So there's that backdrop of Irish of anti-British sentiment that goes on at least in this village. You know, Can there's, I there's ask you a quick question about that because I didn't understand yeah. it in the film, and this is the perfect opportunity. Um, so. It's post-World War One, and you get right. that vibe in the film. And uh, out of curiosity, because I studied World War One and I never heard about this, why was there anti-British uh, or English sentiment from the Irish during World War One if it was allies versus Axis? Surely so everyone kind of came together in Great Britain to fight against the, the, the Germans. 
Sure. Right. Well, the re well there are there are a few reasons. Number one was that in 1916 the Easter Rising started happened, okay. ha happened. So that was when the first that was when um, IRA militia or other buildings in Dublin on, and, and on several places throughout Ireland in order to try to overthrow British rule because British rule treatment of the Irish had been very bad, terrible okay. in many ways for, for, for centuries. Okay. Irish uh, Catholic Protestant conflicts, very bad. Sure. So when so a, a lot of it is to do with um, a, a, a people who live in a small village who don't get much who in 1920. So there's no there's no there's not much outside get via letters from people outside of your village. Right. Well, the newspapers. So to, uh, Sean returns, and it's just a blank floor, blank resentment that they have, uh, or rather a, a fear, a prejudice. Um, and of the fact that he fought for the British. So it's this kind of, even though he's an Irishman, so it's kind of this, this quandary that I think that a lot of people found themselves, particularly if you were a pro-Irish citizen living at that time, okay. which is even though you were fighting off a greater enemy, you still felt that you weren't, that you were doing disservice to, your, to the country that was yet to be founded. Okay, that makes sense. So that's kind of, that's, that's, that's a lot of where it takes root. And, and the guy that wrote this, yeah. um, the, the writer of this film has is is a professor of Gothic literature at Trinity College Dublin, um, David Turpin. That makes name. more sense. Okay, so he knows what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, professor of Gothic literature, but history he'll know galore. And so he really wanted to fit it into a universe that was really, me really messy, but also really interesting and so it, and very very. Uh, Specific, very important, you know, very, very interesting to people. So it's not just a film. It's not just a film that's designed to scare you. It's designed to uh, creep you out, kind <laughs> yep. of inform you. It even slightly, you know, it slightly educates you and also just give you a really unique example of gothic literature being made into film. It's well, a cool one, dude. I, I recommend I, it to people. I recommend it too. I, I'm glad you told me it was ghosts though, because I had like an hour conversation with my wife saying it was water demons okay <laughs> i thought it was water demons apparently it's ghosts it's kind of but You've i was like it. yo it's water demons <laughs> all right like but until they you know i'm not going to spoil anything until the, you see the end of the film you're like oh that makes more sense but for a good 45 minutes i was like yeah it's water demons where we'll let we'll let our audience figure it out yeah i'll let <laughs> you guys can decide if you think it's water demons or if it's ghosts either way uh, either way it's a fantastic film a quick question on it did we'll you it did you actually like a couple couple i've always been curious about this when it comes to horror films if, and I, this is the first opportunity i've had one did you get scared at any point when you're doing it and two oh yeah you got scared so carry on fin well, fin well the, the second question was just like <laughs> Did you have a lot of fun doing it? I'm assuming yes, but the, it's more about did you get scared? Like, did you get like, I, I got, did you get freaked out? I, I, I did get scared. So, so Loftus Hall is where we filmed it down in the southeast of Ireland. Now, that place is the most haunted house in Ireland. Oh, really? You can follow it on Twitter. That's Type a real house. Loftus, yeah, L O F T U S underscore Hall to Twitter. Yeah, and boom, you'll find it. I don't know the exact stories. Okay, so I'm really paraphrasing here. I, I this is what I word of mouth. Okay. Which is how which is how scary stories come about. Sure, that's the best type. <laughs> right, there were, I think, very young people who were, who died in this house. Okay, they lost their lives. I don't know how. And when I say young, I mean children, like 
somehow something some really bad things happened yeah i'm not gonna be looking it up over the course of the 1800s okay and the building is a relic of this period of 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 kind of the 1800s yeah um and the set design really read some of the stuff and made it bits of life but it's a proper house so when you go when you watch the film this is not a set i thought it was a a real house that's so cool no that's that's a real with a trap door and everything uh, well, so that's the one thing. Ah, because I was about to right. say you caught it. It's the one thing. Honestly, the it's a stupid Everything thought. Everything else, what's that? It's a stupid yeah. thought, but I thought you'd appreciate this. When there's one scene without spoilers where you see water coming through the trap door, and all I could think at the entire time was, how much floor damage could this house possibly have from water damage? Like, like seriously. <laughs> so I'm glad that was yeah, they, not they part took, of the they, house. They, they took care of that, but it, that 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 that. Little- contraption was quite cool it's quite complicated super cool yeah so so it's a real building it's very scary that place um it's really um unsettling okay um there is a guy who stays there a care a caretaker who lives in the house no you can't do that he lives there at night you can't have that and i i was one of those houses where i really didn't want to walk off anywhere alone I, I don't blame you. It's creepy. There as were fuck. nuns that lived in there for no, a while. No, do Google it, man. It's it's freaky. You Google it now. Not us all. You'll see what I'm talking about. You see, this is if, why I if, couldn't if be an actor. You watch you the first me. twenty minutes of the the first twenty seconds of the film. Boom, you'll see it. Yeah, I mean, dude. I mean, this is the difference. You couldn't pay me to do that. Like, there's no way. Yeah. This actually. Did you see anything weird? Out of curiosity. No. Or, no. Okay, so it was just a vibe you had. Okay. I, I wouldn't have wanted to stay there. I I, it I don't makes blame you. Your subconscious go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, a hundred percent. That's I mean, what it does. Okay, cool. So the other and, and film, I, I had oh, yeah. fun doing it. I did. It was quite an intense period in, like, in, like, at that time was was there was a lot of there, yeah, there there was a lot to do at that time. So it was kind of when did you film it? Kind of focusing on the work. There was a lot. Of, there was a lot of the character was like something that I really had to invest myself into. Sure. Uh, as an Irishman, as a as a, someone with an act with you know doing changing up my acts, and I had to you know I put on put on some weight for it and he's someone who's missing a leg so i had to you, i had to meet a paraplegic you looked buff he was bigger yeah he i was, was a bigger big, at the time yeah and and so you I met a paraplegic to, to understand no, no, sorry I, that was the wrong word oh. i met an amputee oh an amputee okay and you i met an amputee a wonderful actor who taught me some stuff about how to walk when you have a prosthetic limb i was gonna ask like how did did he get you into like a, a, a psychological mindset on it at all or was yeah, it just how to yeah it, it was it was, it was, I, I wanted to stay in that. It was, I wanted to try and stay in the fa- in a fairly somber headset whilst I was working. And that was, that was quite, um, that was, that was quite heavy on me. Quite, quite kind of a lot. There was a lot to do in that sense to kind of stay in that zone. But it was, it was, um, it was, it, it was still very like, it was a great film to like, to be part of. I really felt like it was a, and, it, and the finished product was, was, no, it was, was it was an amazing was film. Great. And I recommend again, everyone should go and watch the lodges on Netflix. Uh, it's, uh, regardless if you like horror or you don't like horror, it's a really creepy and good film. Like it's, it's a good time. Um, but it actually, when you talk about, uh, meeting an amputee and kind of getting into the mindset, right? Uh, Oh, Oh, okay. You're not frozen. I thought you were frozen. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Um, I stayed. Yeah. I need to stay. You gotta, you gotta blink stay sometimes. You've got still. this incredible, ability to look like you've broken the camera um <laughs> don't do it don't do it <laughs> um so but but when you did I, I watched resonance okay and i gotta be honest with you all right i'm gonna be very honest with you i loved it 
I fucking loved it. But do you know what pissed me off? Do you know what really annoyed me? I didn't realize it was a short feature. And so by the time it ended, just before it ended, I was like, yo, I'm invested. I want to see. <laughs> I want to see what happens. And I'm like, well, oh, the credits happen. No. I, and I told oh, my no. wife, I was like, I was watching with my wife. I had sat down. We had some snacks. I was like ready for like this like two hour feature or something. And I get into 12 minutes. And I'm like, holy fuck. I said, I paused it at about 10 minutes in. And I said to my wife, I was like, holy fuck. This is great. I, I am so excited for this. Oh, and then fantastic. it went to credits. I was like, but why? I know. Oh, dude, please. Is, I want to talk it, about it. But it's that's so amazing. That, that, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, what's so nice about short stories is they do tell you, they make you write the rest 100%. of the story in your head. I know. It's amazing. But see. And you do. You know what's good, though, when you finish it. And you're just like, can we have a part two? Can we have a sequel? Right. Because like I'm invested into the characters, I'm especially your character. I think you did such a phenomenal job. Um, I don't get emotional. I'm not I'm not a huge emotion person, but that one broke my heart. Okay. Oh, so dude. that one broke my heart. So my question was you talked to the amputee for the lodges. Did you talk to anyone? Because you're playing a, a a deaf person who's a lift driver in this film. Right. And I thought right. you absolutely on every fucking level. And I was really impressed. I absolutely thought you nailed the character because you were it wasn't like you didn't go too hard in it. You just did the right amount. You, you, you when you spoke, you did it in a way, obviously, like when, when deaf people speak, they have a hard time enunciating and things like that. And you fucking nailed it. And I was just like and I, and I from from the first time. I saw you in the car and you're fiddling with the with the the hearing aid and and you're you're reading lips and all this kind of stuff. I was just like this is fucking dope. This is so good. Did you talk to anyone to get an, a psychological understanding of of what a deaf person might go I, I didn't even know that Lyft could like talk could in hire people with disabilities because I thought it might be a danger on the road or they want to try right. and keep it as easy as it is for the customer. So I was surprised by that. But like, how did you get into that mindset? At, like, it was incredible. So, oh, I'm, thank you, mate. That's very sweet. So, so um, the way I, the way I sort of started to get into it, okay, was I went to meet a guy who's called Jack Jason. Okay. He is a, um, he's a teacher. He teaches American Sign Language. So I, I started to learn American Sign Language. So what do you mean was, by American Sign Language? Is it different from... There is a difference between English, okay. uh, what, what should I say, British okay. Sign Language, and American. I now, the no re idea. Now there's actually a fucking interesting... Sorry, there's a you really can say interesting... You can say whatever... This is an 18 plus mature podcast. A, you can do whatever you want in here, mate. There's, there's a seriously interesting history to that, okay? When I'll be very brief. When America was founded and the French were fighting against the British, mm. there were awesome. French monks who came over to, right? There were French monks. <laughs> Shout out. There were French monks who came over to uh, America to teach young deaf Americans uh, how to speak. Okay. However, because of the rivalry, obviously, between Britain and France, they didn't want any American, any British sign language speakers to be able to understand what the American deaf oh, people were saying. That's crazy. Or rather, I mean, obviously there was the difference between the two nations, so sure. it was probably more national than that, but but they 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 never used 
unified the languages. So that was that based of on the, because of the national rivalry. But from the national rivalry, okay. is it also because let's for, uh, hypothetically, and this may never have happened. It probably did though. Let's say you had sure. a spy, or you know, um, which is basically spying was birthed from the American Revolution. And sure. uh, in terms of how it's built off today, not saying there weren't spies right. in like the 1600s or 1400s, whatever. But do you think it was a, a, another reason beyond just the, the rivalry was to not break codes in any kind of way? Uh, I don't know. I don't know necessarily, really. I mean, there are, there are so many reasons that I can think of. There are so many that come to mind. You know, it makes sense to. There were so many reasons within the context of the American Civil War. Right. Of, sorry, an American Civil War, American War of Independence that I, that I can really feasibly understand. But I think the two reasons that were primarily were that France is a different country and therefore it simply just formulated, you know, the language, you know it, just, sure. it, just, it just came out of a different area. But I think the reason that it didn't ever unify, which is a very interesting idea, which is why you know, if you're hard of hearing or if, you, if you're deaf, you mean each other, you know, you mean each other well. You're you meet someone else who is deaf, you have something very, you have something in common. Sure. And yet the languages were still united, even though there's that affinity. So I think a lot of it was to do with national, a lot of it was to do with national rivalry. Okay. So anyway, that, that, that's a, that's a very, and that was roughly explained to me by Jack. But to more to the point, Jack is a, is a sign language instructor. He mm -hmm. taught me a lot of sign language, which I want to go back and start doing with him again, because it was so fulfilling. He then taught me about deaf culture. His parents are deaf. He can hear, but they are deaf. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. There, there are sort of, within the deaf community, there are, paraphrasing, simplifying it. Okay. There are sort of three, maybe subsections of the deaf community um, that are, that interact with each other as follows. People who are 100% deaf, mm -hmm. who speak sign language fluently with each other, and usually will just have friends in the deaf community. Mm -hmm. uh, if they go to a coffee shop, they'll sign language. I want a coffee. Sure. All the point. Then there's those who are maybe they might be completely deaf or just very hard of hearing, which is what Toby is. Okay. So they go in and they're 20% hearing capacity and they use sign language, but they also interact with, um, they're happy to go in and interact with people who, they're, they're, they're more, it's more of a personality thing, you might say. They don't have a problem with interacting with people. Um, they're, they're, they're fine with communicating with people who are normal, who are who, who can hear absolutely fine. There's no, there's no kind of close. No, they're not a closed knit community in that I, sense. I get what you mean. Yeah, you see what I mean. Yeah. And 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 then there are say people who I think are more in Toby's area. <laughs> okay. We Toby, who is someone who really is he's hard of hearing. He's probably only about twenty percent hearing capacity. Mm -hmm. But he really just is a member of the public, and he, as as is, as they all are. He's someone who really just it's not a it's not a hindrance to him he just wants to get involved in, the, in in he just communicates with people as much as he can as much as he wants as much as he possibly can it really what it is actually is a personality thing okay. what kind of group do you want to psychologically be a part of so mm -hmm. it's it's up to each individual so i learned that from him and then i started to think about from reading a script written by marcos and directed by marcos efron is how does toby the character that i play fit into that community he would be in a third category Okay. He'll be someone who, as a person, really being deaf for him is a superpower. Really? What it, I yes. didn't get that vibe from the film. Well, because because what it gives him is the desire to want to connect with people. Ah, now I get it. This is what I mean. Now you see what I mean? I get it now. Okay. 
being deaf, you is a or hard of hearing, is a disability. Right. So generally speaking, you have more of a thirst to connect with people. But he wants to connect with people. Well, you have, and he wants to connect with people. Right. Exactly. He wants to connect with people in a way that nowadays, especially because of these, sure, and a lot of other reasons, we seem to have slightly lost. Something I'm sure we'll come on to a bit later. Oh, we will. (laughs) Oh my god, we will, my friend. Yeah, we will. (laughs) So it's about a story. The story really is about connection, and the crescendo of the film comes when he hears someone play. He can feel someone in music. I won't ruin it. No, 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 no. Let me let me just interject here, okay? Real quick, this Eugene doesn't have to. If 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 Eugene wasn't on the podcast today. I would still say this film is fucking great. It's 12 minutes of your life that you don't want to get back. It is, it is, um, if I felt emotion and I am, I have no emotion, (laughs) you will feel emotion. This thing is, this thing was absolutely, this, you know what it actually reminded me? And I hope it doesn't, it's not an insult to you at all, but I got serious what's eating Gilbert grape vibes from it. Okay, I love, and that I love that film. That's one of my favorite films. Film. Okay, that is one of my favorite films. It's super underrated. You should check that one out as well. It's Leonardo DiCaprio and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's met in it, but Leo is fucking great in that. Film. I, I I think Leo should have gone for that film. I agree with you on that. Totally should have gone for it. But this this was the first film I've. This is probably the first film I've watched since then that I had very similar vibes to, and. um and that if was I because, get too dark, by the way, so I don't interrupt you. If I get too dark, then tell me and I'll whack a light off. If you do, if it gets too dark, whack a behind you light. Hang on, hang on. Let's, oh, god damn, no. Let's not do that. <laughs> oh, let's not do that. Let's, um, let's cut secrets from the lodgers. Yeah, okay, there we go. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, but seriously, this, I'll, this, I'll, I'll, yeah. this, 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 this 12 minute short film is phenomenal. It'll make you want more. The coolest thing I had about it was that it it definitely, you know, I've never had a hard of hearing Uber driver before. But what it does show to me is there is a thirst for connection there and there's a, a, a crossing of disability to non-disability. And in this film, you see the stark difference of people that just don't get it because they're so wrapped up in their own worlds and their own lives and where they're going to and their destination and whatever. But you still get that, sure. you know, the, the, the Lyft driver, He's still a person. He's still a, a human being. He's still got emotions. And the, the, un, the saddest moment of the film for me, and there's nothing really to spoil here because it's just it's just a great thing. There's nothing. It's not a spoilery film. But it, it what 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 really hit at home for me was that you did definitely see this realism of of what happens where people are just including myself are just assholes trying you know using a service because it's from an app. That you think it's just a service like ordering food, and you're in your own world, you're 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 consumed in your own problems, and you you tend to forget that the person that's driving you is also a human being, and whether they have a disability or not, they've still got emotions, and they've still you know they're still people, they're still real people. Uh, it was incredibly, um, it was incredibly hard hitting for me that film, and and obviously the the music bit. There's that film with uh, 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 what's his face from Iron Man, uh, Robert Downey Jr. He did that film with uh, which had Yo-Yo Ma in it. Uh, uh, 2011. He was a violinist. Uh, he meets Jamie Fox. He's a violinist, uh, but he's right. a homeless person. It was a really good film. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. I feel like I need to honestly. Get you away. should watch it because it's fucking great. It's uh, Robert Downey Jr., Jamie Fox. I think it's called The Violinist. I'm pretty sure it's called The Violinist. And you, it's you uh, keep going. I'm gonna look. And it's it's I watched that film back in the day, and it was very similar 
to to resonance. Um, uh, Jamie Fox was Robert, Robert Downey Jr. and who? And Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox. I think it's called. Oh the yes. Oh, the, the oh I do remember that. Yeah. Oh my God! It was a it was one. It's a true story about it, a, um, a homeless guy in L.A. that became a, a soloist. A soloist. Thank you. The soloist. Yeah. There we the go. Soloist. The soloist. Yes. I. I. I um. Oh, it's a beautiful. Yeah. It's I a remember beautiful seeing, film. I remember it's so underrated. Yeah. Um, and it came out yeah. in like 2011 or something like that. And and I there you go exactly the soloist and it's it's fucking great. And the two films that your film reminded me of was the soloist and What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And I can't give you more praise than that because they're two both oh. fantastic films. So if anyone, well, that's so everyone who's listening should watch all three films together, like like at the same, like just do a fucking marathon because <laughs> because they're really really good and and it it brings this like human condition to everyday life which is so we we tend i think and you'd agree with me that as a person just an old person doing their thing regardless if you're an actor or a podcaster or whatever the fuck you are you tend to disassociate yourself with the human condition in every day if you have a nuva driver and or you, you just you, you're dealing with your own problems so you don't want to have a chat with them or whatever it might be but it it, it brings the human condition in whatever relevant f- format that the film is going for to, to, to the spotlight and it, it shows this all three films have this idea of connecting right it's this human connection and it's not always as apparent as we think mm. oh, would you agree with yeah that? i do yeah i think so i think it's a story about people who are yearning for connection even and and uh, uh and 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 people who are ready to receive and give to give it to give and in turn receive it but those who are just trapped in their own bubbles too much to be able to even think about and the idea hurts. of reaching out from to a someone. viewer point from a, from a viewer's perspective it's it's painful because i think it's absolutely not, one of the things we all were very important about with this film is not wanting to make it about shall we say being victimized no i i didn't have, i never you thought it I mean? was victimized i, I, think, I just I, thought I, I think it was it's very much about just toby looking for something which is a which is a much more um which makes it most, which makes it a really pretty idea a very sweet idea you, you know he, he, as you see, something does happen, which which helps him in that respect. Which was, um, which by the way, that scene, and all I'll say, I don't want to spoil it, but all all I'll say is that think vibration and music, and it was that was that was a beautiful scene. The way the cinematography yeah, da- was beautiful, da- Ma- everything. Marco Zeffron and, and the, the the DP Dallas Sterling. He, yeah, dude, seriously, like the like again, there isn't really much to spoil in this film. Even if I told you the ending, which I'm not, it it doesn't change so how you'll feel playing if, you, if you want to watch if you want to watch this film i should probably say head on to my instagram yes. or twitter accounts eugene at it's, eugene underscore simon on twitter and eugene snaps on instagram and you can the, the vimeo is literally there waiting for you yeah so it's in his profile watch, page it's also right in my now. discord uh if you are in my discord you should join it because what the fuck but if you if you are <laughs> in my discord it's in the uh what's it called uh affiliation partner merch channel uh, and the Vimeo link is there as well because I shared it with my community a couple days ago. Um, let me whack, let me quickly whack the light on. Yeah, now it's yeah. getting like like horror film. <laughs> it's now getting it's a getting little horror, horror film now. Oh, the the, the beauty. That? That's better. Yep, perfect. Look, we look li- we live, man. We live. Um, I've got this blue. I've got this blue light situation you're, going on. You're looking great, man. It's like X Files circa 1992. It's fantastic. I'm down. I'm down. You, no, you no, no. I'm, I'm hulking out now. You're hulking out now. I would say though that you should watch this film. It is uh, the music's beautiful, yeah. the acting's fantastic, and uh, the, the the entire point of the story and the message is um, it's phenomenal, man. It's it's 12 minutes. You're gonna want more. It's not a. Yeah. It's not one of those. I wish I had it back. It's one of those. 
can we now have a part two? Can we have a sequel? Is there going to be a sequel, so or is, is that so is that is it? The, uh, I'm 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 really I really appreciate that. It's one of those films that I produced with Marco Sefron. You produced it? Yeah, we did, mate. We Get we out. raised we I yeah no we idea. did yeah dude yeah we did we was raised that, it. We was that your first we, production we have like people... producing situation? So, sorry, was that the first time you've ever produced? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, yeah. it was great. It was this time last year. I produced it with Marco Sefron and a great crew. Uh, just a wonderful crew of people all of them all of us came together and met through marcos he was the kind of the glue that binds the glue that binds and um we we made it um we made it with in mind to try to you know we we had it we had it in mind to start as a kickstarter so people who may be watching listening to this podcast helped us they gave us money okay we raised uh, about thirty thousand dollars and we did the film and here it is. It's only now with thirty thousand. Did, so, did you get investment on top of the the Kickstarter? No, that was it. That was that was it. Holy, that was know, it. To be honest, for the even though it's twelve and we minutes, filmed, like, we filmed it in two days. Dude, the quality is amazing. It's, yeah, we 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 hustled for that one. Honestly, the, <laughs> the, the 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 visual, the art direction, the creative direction, the 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 script, the acting, like like it it it's it, it the the reason I was surprised that because I never looked at the time duration, right? I just thought film okay an hour and a half or something and when i first mm -hmm. got the, within the first three minutes i was like yo how much did they pick up on kickstarter because this shit is high quality this shit is oh, like I'm super high thought... quality like it's well wow for only thirty thousand, i thought it'd be way more to get that kind of quality yeah no we did we did it for that amount and um and over filmed over the two days and to get ready for it i just we we, we to get ready for it we went we brought in a really really nice bunch of uh, people martha masters who plays a character who plays uh, who's never acted before it's her first time acting she's actually we brought in um martha masters who is the president of the guitar foundation of america wow okay she's an amazing class. and she's the one she's that she's the one that's yes. acting in the film right no wonder she's so good at the guitar. That makes so much more sense now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to, 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 to have seen her. Yo, do her that. acting was um, really yeah. good for the first time. Holy <laughs> shit! I I didn't I couldn't tell that that was her first role. Yeah. No, we we brought her in and uh, she was wonderful and she was so gracious and did it so well. And that was it. And we and we were off, man. And we're now and now here we are. And we here we are with it being released. To okay. So before we get into like the second part of the podcast, which I really want to get into, which is like social media and like beyond your career we're talking about our experiences and, and our vibes on the world and all this kind of stuff which i really want to get into i gotta ask you this okay because we haven't really talked about game of thrones and it's i i'm i've i always get worried about talking about game of thrones because i'm like mm, he must be sick of this shit <laughs> but, but no. i gotta talk about it the, the <laughs> first question i want to say is what was and you don't have to be honest you don't have to be honest you can be as as pr as you want to be but i gotta ask it all right i gotta ask it what did you prefer in terms of a role did you prefer game of thrones or resonance um i mean preferences are not the right or maybe not right maybe not tough. preferences but what did you what had more of an impact on your career and your oh, vibe oh, as oh. an actor and and where you're like if if you could have had you know you've had roles in the past and obviously they've all kind of changed you as a person and molded you as a person which one has been the most impactful i guess is the question i'm looking for the most impactful to yourself as you are currently on this podcast as well as your career and 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 maybe it's a mixture but i'm just curious like what did you really enjoy what it had what had great impact on you as a person and 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 what do you see as the as as being something that creates that momentum for you well, um, Game of Thrones was 
wonderful, um, was an was a, incredibly positive influence on me, both, both as an actor and for my career. Um, I think what it really did for me, what made me so grateful for it, was that you know, you're, you're working on a very big show. It's a massive scale show with multiple, multiple storylines going on at once, and it's watched by a lot of people. So it's, it's got a lot, of, a lot of, there's a lot of truck behind it. Of course. So, so when you're doing it, however, you are on set, you're, you know, you, you are back to, on, you're on camera, you're working with other actors, and you are, have to remind yourself, you're doing just, you're doing just, you're doing a job. I have to do, I have to do this character, I have to do this, what I am trained to do, I have to do this as, what I'm trying, what I love doing, as devotedly and as sincerely as I can. And what I found was that even though, uh, even, whilst the show has so much popularity behind it, the people you work with are so humble and real okay. and such great actors. I mean, you're working with the best actors. You've had some big boys on actors. there. Did you talk to Sean Bean? Yeah. Yes, yeah, Sean Bean is very... I got to ask you, he's one of my favorites. What do you, what do you vibe yeah. on Sean? What do you vibe on Sean? Sean is cool. Sean is so chilled out. He's very mellow, funny guy. He likes to have a laugh and he likes to have a kind of... He likes to have a, he likes to have a laugh behind camera when it, you know, and, and when he go, gets in front of it. Just does mad makes magic, but but he's he's a what he's he's a, and he's and he's also I find I think very funny I find it very funny. Okay, I can um, yeah, and and this is a good vibe, yeah. But but I I think what taught what what I felt most about what what made it most special for me was realizing that you always have to remember that you're working to try to make a job that you any job as good as it can possibly be, mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't matter if it is a. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, a lot of actors, I mean, it's not fair to say me, but there's a, there's a, sometimes you can think that the jobs you have to try hardest on maybe are the ones that are going to be the most popular in the public's eye. And I, I know that sounds a bit, I know what you mean. Like though. not many people think that, but there are some who do, you know, they're always thinking, oh, the next thing is the thing I've got to really try for. It's like, no, no. Like with Resonance, it's a funny thing, funny you bring that both up. It's a short film mm -hmm. and it, you know, it's a short film it mightn't have the same traction as something as big as Thrones. But the point is that it's such a gorgeous storyline and there's something about it that you've got to completely devote totally yourself agree, to. Totally agree, man. I totally agree with you. And there's other things, you know, there's not just that. There's and the other things too, but you, you always, it reminded me that no matter what, humbly devote yourself with all of yourself to what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And if anything else tells you that you don't need to, you know, just get over yourself. It really, really made me committed. And it, it taught me the importance of, um, of being selfless in your endeavors to try to make something as good as possible. No, that's an amazing. And viewpoint also to have. working with other actors, you know, yeah. you got to work. You have to be able to get to work with people, um, and you can't be difficult. And if you, I mean, I say you, you don't want to, you don't want to be a, you don't want to be a dick. You know what I mean? You want to, you want to work, you want to get on and work well. Of course you do, man. You're gonna I, be there for a while. You gotta make you sure do, you. Man. You want to be a dick. Um, you want it, yeah, but no, you want to. Yo, it's like you know, your well. your world is so different from my world, but at the same time, you gotta get on along with the people you work with. Otherwise, it's you not do. gonna be a fun time. You have to figure you know? out a way. Also, right. in terms of the creative aspect, right? Because we're both in creative uh, industries, very different. But it, creatives, creatives, creative, right? For sure, for sure. Um, it's got to be lovely. In my in my mind, like it must be lovely to work with some people that you know either you aspire or get inspired by, or who are just very talented. That you feed it, you know, you feed off each other, and you get this creative like flow going, even during a scene, whether it's in improvisation or not. Yeah, and you, just, and yeah. you just you just feed off each other, and you have this fucking amazing artistic experience, right? Once you start working, and you start feed, once you start gelling, 
and you really start making something special and you're affecting change mm -hmm. as an actor. That's the most important thing. You are really, you are causing, you are in affecting change onto a person that yeah. you are working with and onto a camera and in yourself. You're really alive. Mm -hmm. you're working it and also as an actor which is the thing that I, I it is so important as an actor is that y your best work as an actor should be as easy as playing yourself okay interesting okay and that is a very important thing to, to it's something that you work towards as an actor mm -hmm. and you once you have that moment where you're really with it on it with someone like I, I remember Thrones and, and there was a scene where I was doing where um it was in season six I think and um and my character <laughs> And my, my character comes and, and, and sort of says to Cersei, you know, uh, come to the come to the high to the to the, the high septum wants to wants to speak to you. Mm -hmm. you. Come with me right now. And she's got the mountain with her. This enormous kind of hulking meat monster of a of a man. Uh, my boy. Um, yeah, I know. Not quite all there. <laughs> right. And not quite all human. Yeah. Um. And something terrible happens. All this blood and place and and but this moment where this tension between us this. I'm going to really fucking cause you damage if you don't come with me right now. And yet the threat from her, this tension, the way that we were feeding off each other, even though she said, yeah, well, she's such a laugh in between takes. We, it was so there when we were filming and it was such a, it was such a wonderful, exciting, intense feeling. Um, do, you, do you get overlap yeah. though? Let's say you get like, you're in a scene with someone, right? And they really piss you off as character in character right and then you're like motherfucker you're an asshole right and then and then you get it's cut and it's like oh who wants to go for tea and biscuits like do you have like any like like put like 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 back background anger and like animosity or is it just cut when you cut uh it, it, you, you kind of keep it up a bit if you have a scene like the one you're describing where you're kind of fucking pissed off with someone yeah and you're you're or you're or you're really uh, you know any, anything that in contains someone betrays you super hard or whatever it is you're yeah you tend to keep <laughs> you find that you find that you start like real life is where you're actually acting <laughs> i got you that makes so much sense you're like okay. of course well, yeah of course yeah, yeah no course problem can, no problem we, we yeah of course we can try another way because you're you're still trying to maintain some sort of sick um, yeah sort of, i get it so it's uh, you're, you're, the role swaps a bit i get up. that that's really interesting so yeah. would you say that um would you say that what has been your uh favorite role to play because i I'll be honest with you right i i I know a good role from a viewer's perspective when I either love them or hate them depending on the on the role your character in Game of Thrones originally was goofy like I, I he was like you know like just some of the facial expressions like when when uh uh uh, who was it? Like, there's a scene in like season one where it's I think it's Jamie comes into the king's chamber and you're pouring wine, but you run out of wine and you've got like the shocked face on. You're like, well, I'll go and get some more wine, right? Like a little goofy, yeah, sure. but kind of funny. And then you turn into this big asshole. You turn into this like big, like like religious zealot, right? And I and I could feel like the evil intensity, and I could feel like the the absolute like in insanity of of, of like what's the right word when you're like. Uh, uh, zealotry. The fanaticism. The fanaticism, the fanaticism in it, right? And and I totally, like, was attached to your character by how much I loathed and liked him at the same time, which is always <laughs> a good sign of you being a character, right? But did you, out of all of the ones that you've done, what do you think was the most fun you've had with? 
And that could be from multiple perspectives. That means that means obviously, yeah, you got to play in Game of Thrones. So, you were big people there, but in something else, you were a main cat. You know, you were like the the, the star. What, what 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 did it for you from any of the ones you've so done? So what what the 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 moment the feel the feel, the the best feeling the most incredible I felt when I was performing and I've enjoyed most was doing um uh was playing the role of um I played the role of Edward Einstein the second son of Albert Einstein okay. in the National Geographic series Genius oh, with, okay. Je with Jeffrey Rush playing Albert Einstein. You may have seen it. And, 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 um, I heard of it. I haven't oh, actually watched oh, it, though. Um, Antonio Banderas is now playing, um, is now the lead of the second series of Genius on National Geographic. Sorry, pause there. I've met, I've met Antonio a long time ago. I met him like four times and seems to be a nice dude. Did you get the same vibe from him? Very polite, kind of. I, di I didn't. I didn't meet him. Oh, you didn't I meet didn't him. Second, but it, this was season one. I was doing. Oh, I got you. Okay, never mind. Continue. Go for it. I was just thought I was curious. So, I was playing the role of Edward Einstein, who was the second son of Albert Einstein, mm -hmm. and he was. Um, he suffered from schizophrenia. He okay. had serious schizophrenia, and he was in Bogor, uh, insane asylum in Switzerland for most of his life near Zurich. His father abandoned. I mean, you could say abandoned is the right word. I mean. Had a very difficult marriage to the first his first wife, Albert Einstein, to his first wife. He then remarried and remarried to actually who was someone who was his cousin. But his son was effectively left behind mm -hmm. to the horrors of 1920s, 1930s psychiatric therapy. Yikes. Very unpleasant. Yeah. Incredibly unpleasant. You know, all, all the things and, and, and all the things seen in the film A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. Mm -hmm. And incidentally, Ron Howard, who directed A Beautiful Mind, also executive produced and directed. This. Uh, same thing as uh, that Leo film um, with the lighthouse. Uh, Which one? Oh yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Whatever that's called. Is that, that's that's Scorsese, isn't it? Scorsese. That was Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever, yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite films. I can't believe. Shutter my, Island. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's similar with the lobotomy in that one, and and, and right. So right, you exactly. get the same time or around the same time. So I I understand what you mean. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, so uh, that was. A project that I enjoyed most in in many ways because the amount of work even though it was such a subtle such such, such sorry, not, not subtle such an, an unpleasant such an unpleasant sort of story for for someone for a guy that's going through something so terrible mm -hmm. as my character Edward Einstein in in that episode in the episodes that he was in was right I had so much joy with it. I had so much connection with it. I had so much, what's the right word? Fun, which is really what acting should be. Like, you know, acting shouldn't, you know, if you're not having fun, and I've had a lot of times in my career where I've been really not having fun because I've been trying, I've been trying so hard to get something across and it, that, that it's very, very difficult to let go of that as an actor. That takes time, you know, to really trust that you're going to be okay. Okay. And that you've done all the, you've done all the work. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I was, Really, in this role, I felt such affinity with. I didn't feel like I was like I was acting at all. I felt, and that which is the, which is the feeling you want to have. Of course, that's the most natural. And I right? loved it. I felt like it was just such a marvelously um, effective story to tell, um, and I felt the most empathy and compassion with and for him. Um, and it was just such a glorious day of filming. You know, we were inside this old school in Prague where. 
these kids were it was an old school which it's it, which they kitted out to look like an insane asylum okay. there was an actor who come who came in uh, who and played carl jung and i've always been in fa- and i've always been and fascinated by Jungian psychology and Freudian psychology and all that sort of stuff. And and so the whole thing for me was just this magical experience where I was completely in the zone of the zone, the artist, the acting artistic, the art, the acting mm-hmm. zone. I just found it so special, so rewarding. Um, and it's also a great series. I mean, I where, really- Where can you watch that Flynn. on? Um, so I think you can stream National Geographic. I mean, you can see it on Sky. Okay, yeah. I mean, you if you're in the UK, TV, if you, UK, guys, if you don't want Sky, is it's like the, it's like the uh, the big, the HBO. The big the, uh, it's well, it's the big cable, the big cable network or ISP for especially with internet in the UK. Um, if you're not in the UK, can you watch it on Netflix or is there an uh, Amazon um, Prime? Or yeah, I don't you know if on Netflix. I think you can watch it on. Oh, what did I watch it on? I'm very bad. Hulu? I can't try it. Yeah, maybe. I, right, Amazon check, or Hulu, dudes, I feel- check Amazon Prime Video, check Netflix, check Hulu, check iTunes, whatever. Go look at Genius from National check Geographic, people, Albert Einstein, yeah. Google it. The motherfuckers, yeah. just do what you need to do. It's, go it's and watch really, that shit. I'm going to watch that shit. I'm, it's a really good series. Yo, um, and I know we're friends, but like, I'm invested into you right now. I'm totally going to watch that shit. I'm, I'm 100% it's watching that. Okay? Yeah. Hands down. Episode 5 and 8. Episode 5 and 8. That's all I'm in there for. I mean, if I like it, if I like it, I'll watch the rest. But I'm starting episode five and eight. All right, that's another cool. hot plug. Another hot plug. All right, there we go. So, so I, that was a great one. I, I final question on your career that I want to ask. Right, then we're gonna take a quick two minute break because I need to pee, and then we're gonna get into the non Eugene Simon, but M- Eugene Simon part of this podcast. The we're gonna we're gonna break it down. But quick question. All right, I am not versed in the methods of acting. Okay, I know there are different styles, there's different approaches, there's different mindsets. The one that's probably the most famous and the one that most people know is method acting because, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis or whoever it might be, you know, fucking Leonardo DiCaprio sits inside a dead horse to understand what it would be like to be in a dead horse for for the, the is it the Reverend or something? I, don't, I can't remember what it's called. Revenant. Revenant yeah, the Revenant. Yeah. Um, what kind of approach or what mixture of approaches do you use to approach a role? Like, what do you, what do, what's your vibe as an actor? Educate me. So I'm all for, I'm all for throwing yourself into those experiences. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. I think it's a very good thing to do. I think you shouldn't do damage to other people. I think you should try to avoid doing any damage to other people if you can. Try or to or your own them. psyche as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you really can mess yourself up. Yeah. So I'm interested <clears throat> in trying to find the place where you are able to be as intensely real without being as, without being, um, Psychologically attached too much. Damaging. Destructive. <clears throat> Destructive. Okay. <clears throat> and some, it happens, you know, uh, sometimes, sometimes it happens. My, my kind of approach, I mean, if it, there is one, I take, I, I take a, I take a lot of the kind of, if there is anything I study from, if there is somewhere where I kind of try to get a little bit of literary, and kind of literary understanding of the way I want to do my acting, it would be probably from sort of a book similar to this. Right. So this is to the actor by Michael Chekhov. All right, put it in, put it in the vid- in the camera a bit more because you're cutting off. There you go, yeah. to the actor, guys. Check it out by Michael Chekhov. Yeah, Michael Chekhov. So that, as far as the tra- as far as the training that I've done in my life, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, in various places. I, I never went to acting. You never went to acting school. And I didn't. 
at all. I didn't go to acting school. So uh, there's no. hope for me. <laughs> Please. Absolutely. That's, I've, I'd, so, that's why I'm here, dude. You've oh, done it for me. I got Andrew, it. <laughs> I want you to come to LA right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Give up this stuff. You're great at it. It's over. But, it's over. You know, it's, it's a new, it's a new life. I can do a series, so can you. It's a new life. I got you. I got you. Yeah, for sure, mate. Get on that plane, baby, okay? Oh, I got you. Norwegian Air. That's, cheapest chips. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I like how we're plugging so, everything right now. Norwegian Air, guys. Go book your shit with Norwegian Air, all right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have no affiliation with that. This is not an no, ad. This is not an ad. <laughs> right, All right. Exactly. So what we're going to do. Um, so, oh, so, please continue. Please continue. I didn't realize so, you finished. No, 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 no. It's fine. Uh, so that would be the school kind of, the school of acting with which I um, I associate. Okay. I, re- I, I feel a f- an affinity. So it, has a, bit of, it has a bit of method in it, but not full method. But not full. I get you. One of the things to remember is that method acting often is, the you know, people's understanding of it is kind of the finished product. So now as a method actor, if you finish, if you do the work and you're having fun when you're doing it, take Heath Ledger okay. playing the Joker. I mean, he did that for, he was really, in, he was in that for, a, he was in that for a long time. Mm-hmm. He spent, he did a huge amount to get ready to play that. I mean, he went into isolation. He did, did a lot, you know, but at the end of it, he was you know, and Daniel Lewis seem to be okay. They, they come out, they get sad periods and they finish it up, but they're on the whole okay. Mm-hmm. But delving into the stuff that they do slowly increases over the course of time. Mm-hmm. It's not like you decide, okay, today I'm in character forever and I'm just going to decide what I want to do. You have to slowly egg your way up. And then once you actually start filming, you then are really in a pace where you're going to start to fully connect. Can I ask you a quick question? I'm not the kind of actor, I'm not the kind of actor who goes who will go back to his hotel room and and spend every waking moment trying to be the person who I'm going to be when I step on camera thinking when I go back. Mm-hmm. And I have to somewhat do it as myself. I have to kind of think about what the next day's shoot is. I have to re- rejig a little bit. You know, you have to stuff. Whereas I feel that a lot of method actors nowadays are so intense, they stay so in it all the time that down that road madness lies. Right. So right. my, at the moment at least, my progression has been steadily towards, shall we say, the method acting outcome, mm-hmm. which we know from a lot of wonderful actors. But it's steady; it's steadily getting there, and it's happened more and more as different different pieces of work. So, what did you think about? I don't know if you've seen it. I'm sure you might. You must have uh, the new that that Jim Carrey documentary that came out on Netflix that talked about that movie that he did in like 1998 or something like that, where he was uh, portraying the comedian. I can't remember what it's called. I watched it on the plane. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, I do remember him actually. Yeah, I think it, it, it came out. Um, fuck, it came out uh, a few months ago, and it's 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 a behind the scenes kind of documentary of Jim Carrey yeah. in this role portraying a very famous comedian. But he went full method in it, and people thought he was insane. Off like because it's all behind the scenes, right? Um, yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but you should definitely check it out. Just out of interest, I think you'd be fascinated by it because Jim Carrey. I'm Carey's... trying to find it because I, I do know. I feel I I have heard of this before, and I'm literally hope my face has probably gone bright white. No, you're good, you're good. You're good. You're uh, good. I'm going to Google it too. Uh, it's not Man on the Moon. It's at, uh, Jim. I'm going to go. Is it Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind? No, no, it just came out. It's it's a behind the oh, scenes. Oh, yeah, uh, Man on the Moon. Is that what it's called? I didn't think it was called it's that. Not... Jim Carrey. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that was from ages ago. No, uh, it's, it's, it just came out this year. Uh, hold on. It's called uh, Jim and Andy. Right. 
right. uh, the Jim and Andy, the great beyond it's on Netflix. And, uh, I think you'd be fascinated by this dude. I think that you would, you should, you should totally watch this tonight. Cause it's like, um, it's fascinating the, the the amount that he puts into portraying this comedian that he like lost friends and family based on his, his, how he just would never leave character. It was incredibly interesting. Um, I, I would recommend that to you. I think you'd find that fine. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it when you when if you watch it. That sounds that sounds amazing. It I, was I, really I, I good. Think, yeah, that sounds fantastic. I will. Um, I, yeah, I would I mean, really I, love I, to I, hear your thoughts if you want to like WhatsApp me or something because I would be down because I watched I this will. on the way to London uh, for a, sure. for a work thing and uh, I wasn't expecting much. I'm not a huge Jim Carrey fan, um, but when I watched, it, I was like, "Yo, okay, this is like the dark side of Jim Carrey. Like this is the this this made the made the film." work really well back in the day in like 98 this made the documentary phenomenal but holy fuck you can see he's a broken person and it's you know i i let we'll take it offline on that but like totally watch i'd love to hear thoughts on it i will i will check that out and i think there's something to be said for that for for, for, (laughs) there's something to be said for that if you get say that again you broke up that there's something to be said for going that into it if you're getting the results i mean no he went dude like he he lost his you get a point into that documentary where you you really feel like he lost his self-identity like he totally lost his identity as jim carrey and and only believed he was the character he was portraying it was it was insane it was really insane um because like that's like hardcore method acting like that's that's some jared letter throw rats in your dressing room kind of shit you know what i mean sure right all yeah. right, so let's let's take a quick break because I, I am bursting. All right, we're going to take Go a quick break. It. When I get back, we're going to talk about – when we get back, we're going to talk about the other shit, the, the, the deep shit of this podcast. We're going to talk about – Let's do it. We're going to talk – just so you guys are heads up, we're going to be talking about social media and mental health. We're going to be talking about identity politics. Uh, we're going to be talking about mob men, uh, mentality. If you've been to my talk show day, you know, weekly before, it's shit we've talked about. But funnily enough, this wasn't my idea. This was Eugene's idea. So we're going to we're gonna get into it. Uh, give us a hot couple minutes, guys. Um, and uh, we will be right back. Okay? Okay. Oh, I can't hear you still. Oh no, things broke. I'm joking. Oh, you! <laughs> wow, wow! You can't do that to me, dude. You can't. That's the worst. I can freeze. Cause oh, you you fucking trolled and I me. Can stop making sound. You actually trolled me. That is the worst. Cause I was like, oh god, and this is how the podcast ends. <laughs> and this is how things go wrong. This is how things go wrong. Okay, welcome back. Sorry about that. I. Your boy has a small bladder. He had to go. Um, but we're back. Let's let's dive into it, dude. Okay. I I wanna I wanna pick your brain. Um let's talk about social media, because it's something that I do. It's something you do. We do it in very different ways. Um we have very different positions in social media. Uh and I think we use it for different reasons, even though that like core reasons are probably the same, but uh, the the way it works is different. I mean, you obviously you're verified on Twitter, you're verified on Instagram. You're a big boy, you're a big deal. Um and the way you do – you do these, like, Instagram, like, 15-minute live streams where you, like, read passages out of books and you do your posts, obviously, of your stories. You do the Twitter thing as well. Um, but we had talked about in the in, in the prep, right? We had talked about the idea that, like, 
like the mental health association to social media. And I think like, mm. like let's start there. Like like it's gonna it's a big can of worms and we know that. Sure. But let's let's start there. Like from your perspective, and again to give to give uh, yeah. uh some perspective on this for people who are listening. Obviously Eugene's got a lot of people following him. Um, you know, he's got a lot of reach. Uh and you use it specifically for promotion and, and connecting with fans and all that kind of stuff. How do you how do you uh, this is a totally yeah book but like this is this is a can of worms but like how do you deal with social media the pressures of it how do you feel when you post like we've we've touched on this but go start it off like roll roll it off yeah sure my biggest thing about it is trying to figure out what is most effective what is most useful now that's a very weird word that because useful like what the does that mean you know but thing about it is that you Create it. You, you, you. When you submit, when you post something, you're contributing to. You're, you're, you're at. You're trying to add some value to, to in a very, very subtextual way. Mm-hmm. You're trying to add value to someone's life. You're trying to put up something worth seeing, mm-hmm. hearing about, or knowing. So my biggest thing is that you know we have so much content nowadays. There's so many. There are so many to go and post something on Instagram. I could do it right now. I could literally do it right now. Do it. So let's, let's, it's a good example. If I, if I went on my phone right now and I said, okay, hi everyone, I'm going to start doing an Instagram post right now. Here I am. I'm on the, po- I'm, 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 I'm talking to pockets. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the evening drinks podcast. Come join us right now. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. That's me telling everyone what I'm up to, but you can tell, you can give people so much stuff that is just for the purpose of maintaining some sort of constant stream. And that's where I find myself sort of slightly disenfranchised disenchanted because that's not what i want it to be that's that i I don't want social media to do that to me in the sense i don't want it to be telling me you are now in cut you are now in what's the right word you are you are it is incumbent upon you to always put some stuff up without really considering what it is that you are giving to people because it could just be a selfie it could be anything that's fine but I want it to be of worth, right, and okay. I want people to want to go to a page going. Actually, there's something that I really There's want a bit to hear of depth about. there. It can be, yeah. It can it can vary. Let's be clear. I can go and do a 15 minute video reading from the book Sapiens okay. because I want people to know apology. I can also, and I'm I'm obviously joking here, but I have done it. I can upload a photo of me from ages ago where I'm you know in good shape. Maybe I'm topless. Yes, Whatever. mate, you look terrible. You're, Whatever, you're hideous. You know what I mean? Eugene it, Simon, it, it, you only honest. have a six-pack. You hate That's to see it. That's all that matters. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, but the point is, I can up, I can up, there are three things that come down to work, something from your personal life, and something that's going to benefit people. Okay. And I always find that I'm always very, very, I feel the pressure of wanting to make sure that I'm doing, I'm using it for the right reasons. Um, because I think... And I don't single out anyone in it. I really don't. I, I, I say it from my own experience. Mm-hmm. Very easy to have a narcissistic vein be increased, grow exponentially when you have something that you can so readily use to put yourself online. Mm-hmm. And I think that it distorts your sense of reality. I, I, I do. I really, I, I, I think that a lot. And I, people have, people in different lines of work have reason to use different ways. They have to use it a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. You have to use it. it does, it's, a, it's a part of our lives. But you've got to treat it the same way that you would treat. I don't. What would what would be a nice? What would be a simile to it? I don't know, like a handwritten letter to say thank you for something, maybe. 
I think you would look at it. I, I, I think you have to treat it the same way that you would treat a substance. Treat a what? I think a that substance? If you, a substance. Or okay. a sick, yeah, have, you know, a- anything. I think that the same way that you would treat, if you go and have a dr- have a beer in the evening, yeah. you can have, you can go and have a, you can open a beer whenever you want to. You can go and do that whenever you want to. And it's much more easy just to go on social media. That's the, that's why it's so much easier. But you want to do it, generally speaking, when you've, when you've, 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 you've done something, what would be the right simile? You've done something rewarding for somebody else and you're, I don't know. I, 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 she's not. It's not the most accurate simile. It's not the most. But maybe no, because people twist that shit, right? People. That's right. People that's twist right. Yeah, that shit. Right. It's. It's not quite. That's not quite on the money. But I'm. I'm always trying to figure out in my mind what the best ways to use it are. And because generally speaking, for me, I have following, or I'm not. You know, I've I, a lot of fans from House of Anubis who, at least six years ago, were kids. I always. I always want to make sure that it's. It's. It's kept in a. It's done sort of fairly healthily. You know what I mean? You're on the um, wrong podcast. And that I don't get too obsessed with it. Huh? You're on right? the wrong podcast. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit, too, it's, it sounds maybe a bit too goody too. No, no, it, it I, makes I, sense, I, dude. Like I, you've I got a, think, you've yeah. got a, you've got a following yeah, hundreds of, th- not hundreds, but thousands of people more than I do, right? So you've got a, 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 a level of responsibility, I'm sure in your mind, when you've got that much reach, much more than when I post things. When I post things, I post things that, I like or I piss me off or I'm making fun of or uh, mm-hmm. I find funny. But when right. you've got like a, a big following like that, you've got to be, you've got the responsibility to be like, what is my message? I don't have that responsibility. Yeah. I'm, I, I yeah. feel lucky in the fact that I don't have to worry about what my message is. Yeah. But you are in, in a my, different, it, yeah, different world. Yeah, in, in, yeah I, I see that for sure. In, in my personal life, when you're trying to find stuff that you can put on social media for people, mm-hmm. it's surprising how much time that can take. Yeah. If you really want to find something that's going to get, you know, pe- 10% say of the people who follow you to actually like it and watch it and retweet it, you know, which, or whatever platform you're using, mm-hmm. you've got to find good content. And that, and that is where I think social media, it's not actually doing it. It's, pers- it's what you do in order to do it. It's the kind of pursuit of the pursuit of finding good quote content. Sure. And it may be good, but, it, and that is, that is to me, that is something that I always feel is very important to try to warn kids about because they're always trying to, they're always trying to, they always think they have to have something. There's this, there's this interesting thing that I've, this interesting terminology that I've heard recently. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's called, it's, it's this new syndrome. It's called fear of missing out syndrome, FOMO. Mm-hmm. And it's this belief that because there's always something being posted online, that your life isn't sort of really actually that exciting and that you're kind of really excluded from really the mainstream social ongoings of most people. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people suffer from it. And so whenever I do post stuff, I always want to be really careful that I'm not kind of going too heavy in it. I'm not obsessing about it too much. I take a small amount of time as possible to find something like a video from a trailer or, or a film that I've got coming out or a little selfie or, you know, reading. And then I leave it alone. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like what, how I feel social media and i don't know how to I've, i don't know how to impress that upon people when the when i'm actually using it you know you'll get on your phone and be like hi guys don't use this quite as much you know what i mean use yeah, it it's, it's a tough balance today. man i think you know it's interesting yeah. for you because like when we first like started working together a few years ago back in the day like back in the we, day we had talked about social strategy for your brand and your business and you know right. it, you've obviously done wonders with it since since we we talked and stuff like that um but with with that growth comes the responsibility factor and also comes to that idea of, you know, 
anything you post, the next thing's got to be as good or better. Otherwise, you're on that train of of uh, what's the word where it's like it's almost ridiculous. Like you have to keep one upping one upping yourself or keep making sure that your content as is as hype and as good as possible because you let's say you get like eight thousand likes on a ig post right the next one you got to do needs to it, let's say you you did that uh, that post on the lodges right hypothetically sure. and then you're doing something for resonance you want to make sure that the resonance gets as much viewership and reach as the previous post on the lodges so you've got to figure mm-hmm. out ways of making it exciting you got to and, and and not just from what projects you're posting but it's also about you know how do you keep people interested in you as a person you as a brand right, right. like so you do these ig and I'm not saying this is why you do it, but it obviously helps for it. Like you do these uh, IG live streams where you read passages out of the books that you're interested in. And I think it's incredibly noble of you in a way, because I think that kind of content and that art is lost in, in today's age um, where you can just read. I, I think, I think stuff like stuff like that reminds people, shall we say of something good for them. They might be doing instead. That's all. Uh, not even that's just all. doing instead, but just doing right. Like doing, like, yeah, I think right, that's, right. you know, you get so lost in, the world that you live in, the social world that you live in, the whether you know, I've seen it on Twitch, right? You get a lot of um, professional like gaming streamers who make all of their money on Twitch, right? Like that's how they live, and you, you'll get into these. They'll get into these like arcs of I'm gonna be focusing on X Y Z game like Call of Duty for the next two months, and everything I do is Call of Duty or it's Fortnite or it's whatever, and and you lose, you kind of lose yourself in it. You don't, you don't, you stop trying to educate you stop trying to add substance to your content and it just becomes this kind of like hamster wheel of going and going and going and going right and, and right. Then you just kind of you wake up one day and you're like what the fuck am i doing like like right, right. And, and so i always appreciate your content because it, you know whether it was the world war one in color bbc i think it was bbc link that you posted about a week ago or it might be uh, the, the a passage from a book that you're reading um, or it might be just cooking. It, you're, you're bringing some realism to the world of inherently non-realistic social media, right? You, right. You're not putting your That's toes the in the sand and being that like, my life's thing. perfect. You're just kind yeah. of opening a window. And when you open a window to yourself, it's not just, yo, this is me cooking chicken. This is me cooking chicken and talking about some of my favorite authors or favorite poets or whatever the sure. fuck it would be. Um, you know, sure. I, I find that, you know, that's a very rare kind of content on social media. And, and so I wonder... I wonder this, like you, you compare your content to someone else that is just doing the hamster wheel, production, promotion, production, promotion. Do you ever feel that mental health of your viewership is in top of mind? And and if so, what do you feel- In are, top of mind? Yeah, top of mind being like when you're creating your content, is that something top of mind to you? The, the mental health of the people who are watching, mm-hmm. which dictates or mm-hmm. could dictate your content. That's number one. And number two- what are your vibes on the mental health mental health of social media? Because we've gotten to an era now, right? In in the in the twenty eighteen, this has been around since about two thousand eight, maybe two thousand four through Facebook, but really two thousand eight with Twitter kicking off, and then IG in two thousand twelve. We've really in the age of social media. You know, the the responsibility factor, the the content factor, and the quality factor have never been more prominent now with any people. Like you could be someone that isn't an actor that, you know, got viral for something and now has huge reach, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the lines in the sand have shifted in the past 10 years. So what is your vibe in terms of mental health? Because, you know, 20 years ago, this was not a conversation. 
And mental health was in a different area in my mind. Like, you know, I'm not saying the issues were different, but the way that it's it's now more publicly acceptable to talk about it, it's more affected by what you see. You know, what, what are your vibes on your audience and your reach with mental health and, and just in terms of social media overall, the, the dangers or the benefits? I'm just curious. I think one of the things that I get concerned deterioration or rather the increase in loneliness and and a sense of isolation as a result of human connection being achieved okay and that to me that to me triggers a very um that to me is something i feel is more uh prevalent than we really feel that it's something that's um i feel like it's something that's in everyone's basement mentally I feel like it's something that is very, um, not everyone, a large part of our society, Mm -hmm. large part, a large percentage of people are harmed in ways that it takes some time to understand by the belief that they are connecting with people when they are communicating with them digitally. I mean, it, it brings up now, a good point. Now, that's though. not to. Now, that's no. that's different. That there's, there's some complexities there. So don't get me wrong. There is some breakdowns there. Like let's, you know, when you are messaging someone, you are getting to know them. However, social subtlety when you're in the presence of someone is is first of all something very important. You've got to learn, but also, I think, especially if you're a young person. And I feel that it's less and less happen now. It happens a bit less nowadays because of how regularly we use these things. But also, I think that we we, we have to remind ourselves that technology and means to an end, and the means is to try to be in a to try to or, try to organize and to try to organize in some ways if you're trying to be sociable to try and organize occasions where you can actually be face to face to someone mm-hmm. as often as possible. Often you can text people and you can and have a phone call with them. So there are levels. Obviously. There, sure. are, there are some which are. But I, I do feel that the uh, there's an erosion of what we healthily presume, we, we what we might otherwise healthily assume to be um, connection. So boundaries. Boundaries. We're talking about boundaries. I think I think that's important, <laughs> especially in someone in your situation, right? And, and I've been curious about this because obviously again, you've got a large following, right? across multiple platforms and uh and obviously for for you being a human being with your own mental health and your own physical health and and everything you've got to have boundaries because you can't be you know one thing i've learned is that social media will will eat you up man like it it will it will devour you the people want more and more and more and 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 so like i understand that you're trying to spread a good message and an educational message to the people that you reach but, you know, like, I, I also assume that you've got very strict boundaries on what is acceptable on social media in terms of contact and engagement and what is not. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of who you are and what you do, you're still a dude. You're still a guy, right? You're still a human being. You have your own emotional needs and, and, and requirements, and you've got to protect yourself as well to keep yourself mentally healthy and, and able to keep doing what you do and to keep living and, 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 and being Eugene Simon. So, like... Do you, is there a strict line for you or is it more blurred and it's case by case? Like, how do you deal with it? Cause I mean, I don't think I've ever talked to someone with as much reach as you have. So I'm sure that your position is different from mine or people with 25,000 followers or whatever it might be. Well, you've got to be a bit more protective 
to keep your sanity a little bit. Uh, maybe sanity is the wrong word, but I mean, you can't just be someone else's therapy, if that makes sure. sense. Well, I stay away from face from requests. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. I make, I make those, I don't, I don't approach them at all. Um, that's one thing I don't, um, I mean, everyone comments, but I feel I, I watch some of the, what people say, but I mean, but it's generally speaking, it's more because I'm curious and I'm wondering what it is that they are, what they're interested in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious what are the interests of people who come to my page mm -hmm. in a broad sense. Sure. So I do, I do look at comments. I do look, I, okay. I, 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 I check, I check them, but I don't do it because I want to, I don't, I mean, I don't do it to satisfy myself. Maybe I do. Maybe, maybe, maybe part of that. It's more to know if they are, if I'm affecting positive. I really mean this, by the way. I'm not trying to be. I know. I know. But I, I it's more than I'm a, if I am having any positive influence. So impact and that, positive impact on people. Broad term. Yeah, but positive impact is positive impact, regardless of what it is. I mean, you know, like it can sure, be on anything. They level. like the. It can be they like the picture. Mm -hmm. They like the colors or there's a message in it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be all charity. Sure. You know I get, I mean? No, no. And I, and I always appreciate your candidates and, with that. And I, th and, I think, and I think that that's kind of what it comes down to is just I want to make sure that I, I, want, I want to know how I'm how, – if, if, if what people are – how people are responding to sort of see who it is, who, who it is that is really – caring and who, who is interested enough who cares enough who what to want to comment to look at it to get to go on my profile and other and other than that I, I don't really go i stay away from most of it I, I i i i want to keep it as real as grounded as possible right because i know you can go in fairy you can it, it can become it can become fairyland sometimes that stuff and i'm more it's because you can lose hours to it mm-hmm you can um, and I and I and, and it's it, that's just me. It's personal. I don't want to lose hours. I I just don't. I do, it's just uh, you know. I maybe it's because I don't know what it is. I just I just find that it's so easy to do. I used to game a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, what was your so? What was your thing? What was your thing? Civilization. Oh, dude, my dad, my Fifth dad, five, fucking dude. a. He will live and die by that game. He'll probably find him One, dead on the couch playing that game, dude. It's, it's one it's, more it's, turn. Yeah. Right. Right One more turn, right? And I can kill Bismarck. Or yeah, yeah, I get you. That's it. I'm done. Or Gandhi. One quick know? question just to intervene here. Um, and it's not about the podcast. I just want it for quality purposes. Is your phone connected to the, your Wi-Fi right now? I don't think so. Just double check for me. Because uh, we are getting drops in your voice. And I know it's your Wi-Fi oh, that's doing it. And I'm check. just trying to see if there's anything we can de-stress the Wi-Fi on. Let me have a look. This is not connected. Okay. The laptop isn't. However, what I can do is, let me give it, because the, the Wi-Fi might come through a bit clearer if I open that up. Whoop. Guys, this is, this is real. This is, this is, this is like, this is, so let me just explain this for Please, the people this listening. Eugene was supposed to be here in Toronto for this cast, um, which would have probably opened up its own can of worms of issues, but uh, in terms of te technical issues. But um, he's actually in LA right now, and we're, he's in an Airbnb with Wi-Fi. So we're trying our best to make – I'm sorry if there's any drops in audio. Um, 
we're doing the best we can with the technology available. Living it up in an Airbnb. You know, you know, basically, this is just the way it's going to be, man. Like, like I'm not a Joe Rogan. I don't have a Jamie and I don't have a studio. So it's just the way it's going to be. So as long as I just wanted to double check that you weren't like hog, hogging resources no, on your phone or something. If the if it goes to the... It just did. It legitimately just did as you said that. I can't even Shit. hear you. Oh, now I can. Sorry. It's not your fault. No, not man. bad, folks. No stress. It's just I wanted people aware if you're getting drops, it's because this is an online podcast episode with uh, uh, with Wi-Fi, and that's just going to be the case. Anyway, moving on. Um, so I have a question then. In terms of, like, your responsibility, do you ever feel – okay, so I'm sure you see similar stuff that I see on, on Twitter and Instagram, and it's, it's very political. It's also very divisive. There's a lot of um, – and not just politics. I'm talking about, like – social politics here i'm talking about identity politics i'm talking about the idea of mob mentality you can say if you have twenty-five thousand or thirty thousand people following you and they live and die by your word and you write something fucking stupid because you're an idiot and you say something really fucking stupid but that's how you feel about it and then even though you're absolutely wrong there's no other way of looking at about it you're just you're inherently wrong with what you say you get 100 likes 200 likes 300 likes whatever it might be and you feel validated in what you're saying. I think there is such sure. a danger. There's a, such a danger with people with reach when it comes to that. Because I feel, and we talked about this briefly on the prequel, I feel like when you have a lot of reach, you have inherently way more of a responsibility to what you say and what you put out there than someone that doesn't have the reach. So when you're right. starting to like farm, right, which is the technical, I guess, technical term that they use nowadays, where you don't give right. a fuck what you're saying, as long as you know it, it creates likes for you, which then gives you the hamster wheel of if I get likes, I get more reach. If I get more reach, I get more money. If I get more money, I get more reach. And it just goes on and goes on and goes on and goes on. How do you vibe yeah, that? Sure. Because when I see these, these, these tweets, for example, in my feed, and they're, you just, if you're not stupid, it's obvious that it's like farming. It's, it's creating an outrageous comments knowing that it's outrageous you probably don't even believe it yourself but you know it's going to get you a mm -hmm. bunch of likes maybe it's jumping on the sjw bandwagon maybe it's jumping on the politics bandwagon maybe it's jumping on the racial bandwagon whatever it might be um i feel like there are really toxic people out there that regardless of how much it damages people who read it they'll put it out there in order to up their brand right their social clout their brand you're in the same realm of reach so how do you, number one, how do you deal with that? And two, what do you feel about people that do that? Well, number one, um, I mean, how do I feel about people that do that? I, I would say I don't feel particularly uh, warm. I think it's probably easier to, it's very easy to do. And it's part of the kind of corporate mentality. You know, you have a chance to kind of extend your reach by saying something outrageous and therefore grow exponentially and so forth. You grow. And um, and I, and I, I think that... Uh, it does a lot of, you know, it depends on who you are, obviously, but if you're in the political sphere, then it can do, uh, you know, it's all very reactionary stuff. And it's easy to, it's easy to, um, it's easy to get people's attention when you're being, shall we say, quite kind of, you know, bombastic and loud and, and, and aggressive with some of the words that you use, no matter if you're right or wrong, you know, you get, it often causes you to get traction. There was, you get there was like, um, later though, dude, you know, like James Gunn. Perfect example. Right. Writes outrageous jokes. And I, I, I understand, I'm sure you understood them. You know, we're both brought up in a very similar upbringing, sure. education, um, similar culture. But you're, but, you're, but you're mature enough not to be, shall we say, offended by them. Well, it's not even a maturity level, in my opinion. It's, it's an outrage culture. Okay. So 
you have this thing in North America specifically. I'm sure it happens all over the world, but you know, I live in North America. You live in North America. Our, our feeds are North American heavy, right? The people we follow, the people they follow, it comes, it crops up. It's pretty much predominant by where you live, right? Like North America is predominantly where I get my viewership. It's where I get my, my feeds from. And you'll get these comments that you know, you, you, you know for the life of you from, let's say it's someone that you don't know personally, but you followed for a long time. They start writing outrageous tweets, right? Or outrageous posts. And you know they don't actually believe this shit. And you know that they're going for it to get them likes. Let's say something happens on CNN and they're like, yo, I can, I can, I can, I can pick up from that, right? I can use that. So I'm going to make some outrageous bullshit fucking post so that people pay right. attention to me, even if I don't believe it. And it, to me, it's like, yo, the, you're, you're placating to outrage culture, which is fucking gross because the last thing that anyone needs in the world right now is more outrage. It's, it was when you right. get outrage on a, on a psychological level, you become less coherent, you become less balanced, and your, your, your actions and thoughts and reactions to things are not in a balanced perspective. You're, you're, it's, it's the pitchfork right. and torches, right? And I feel like it's inherently fucking dangerous especially with people with reach because you get to a point now where you're just, yo, okay, that outrageous tweet I made that I don't really believe in got so many more likes than my other tweet. So I'm going to start producing this stuff and you're not even giving a thought to how it might affect people. And I think it's sure. fucking toxic. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, it's inherently wrong ethically to do. And, but it's so, it's so inherently like, like it's in our DNA now. Like we, we see it every well, day. That it's hard to pick out, and it's also hard to not jump on the bandwagon for a lot of people. How do you feel about well, there's that? Well, there's an interesting question there underneath it all, which why is it effective? Why does it affect, why does it work? You know, why does it matter? You I know, think why drama, no? Do you not think it's a drama? Well, oh yeah, no, I do. But what, what I'm saying is that when you, when you find there are people that make those sorts of posts, and then the response to them is the sort of, outrage and disbelief yeah and um an overreaction well, outrage yeah you know that people respond to those sort of posts with i do think you're empowering the person who made the actual post and so therefore i would say there is something about whilst obviously you know people who make outrageous claims uh are not people who are people who you should and and this is a word that I I, I who, that you you have to use because people are so so sensitive about this word. You've got to mentally uh, you've got to discriminate in your head a bit. You know you do and the people you know you've got to be careful. You've got to and that means that dis you've got to disassociate what you've got to you've got to know what it is that you want to what it is that you want to uh, you're okay with hearing about and what it is that you're not. And when you're not, you don't really want to empower it by being so outraged about it you want to know it's there but you don't necessarily have to feed it by kind of starting a i am a whole I, you know a holy kind of sure oh, fuck you this is ridiculous I mean, I, the, the other problem with it is that when you and get... i feel that, that that feeds it a lot you know it's a very that, that's part of the unhealthy as part of the unhealthy cycle when when you get outraged too much you lose the ability in most cases to defend your argument right sure you become incoherent when it comes to what you're trying to say, what you're trying to back up with proof and evidence and, and what you're trying to help people realize. So your message becomes warped and you become part of the sure. culture that you hate. 
and and it's so easy to do because it's emotional re reaction but i i just think that you know in in today's age you know you you have a lot of reach um in my mind someone with your kind of reach or higher right has the responsibility in my mind and you can disagree as much as you want has so, the, has a responsibility to try and re-educate the people that are following and and in touch with you because if you don't do it i'm not if i did it right and when i do it no one hears me right i don't have that reach no one it's a tweet in the ocean right like sure maybe a shrimp will come across it but it's not not the ecosystem of the ocean is not attracted to what i'm saying sure but when you've got the ecosystem of the ocean attracted to what you're saying, boy, you got to like, you got to be responsible for, and, and it's not, and I hate it because I don't think it should be a responsibility. But in a way, you have a responsibility whether you like it or not. No, you do. Re-educate the people that are, you know, they might see a tweet from you, right? And it's super wholesome and it's educational and it's helpful and it's interesting. And they're also seeing in their feed, asshole fucking tweets that are outrage culture tweets. Sure. And, and so when you're that drop in the ocean, but you're still a drop in the ocean, you have, a, 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 in my mind, an, a responsibility to try and do your bit to shift the culture. I don't think enough people do it. And without them, it never will, it will never get done because you know a, a really loud voice in an empty room is just a really loud voice in an empty room. But when, sure. you're, when you're in a room with a bunch of people watching, you're the, you're the, you're the dream, man. You're the, you're the person that, helps to change the, the reality. And and I feel like in 2018, the reality is so fucking warped. It's so sure. twisted. It's so toxic that there's not enough people out there with the reach spreading goodwill and spreading education and spreading, you know, beyond, yo, there's now, something beyond Twitter that you can actually be doing, like reading a fucking book. That's what right. I'm saying. So do you know what? Here would be my response. I, I, I think that you're so on point with everything you've said. I really do. I think that Okay, here's an example, okay? Mm -hmm. The other day I was on YouTube, I was on Facebook and I saw this video about, um, I won't keep it heavy, but it's just about, it's about Antifa. Okay. Right. So these guys, anti-fascist. They wouldn't, not a, not a good group. Not a good sign, not a good sign. Okay. Not a good, not, 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 not something you want to be a sign. So I thought to myself, I don't like this. I should post about it. Mm -hmm. so I put a post up I said that the only way to really deal with people who have these kind of who, who as individuals have attached themselves to this collective Marxist idea or ideology mm -hmm. that they are convinced is a solution to a lot of the problems they have faced that the world that, that, that will solve a lot of the problems in the world and deep down they're really just fucking angry you know they're really angry yeah. they're angry and they're not and 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 as individuals, if you take one out of that crowd, if you see Antifa crowds, you say, take one of them and go, right, what's his life like? What's her life like? What do you think they're going through as a singularity? And then they thought, right, well, this ideology I've come across is the answer to it. Right. I go, okay, I can post about it. I can talk about my disapproval. I've done that. I said, the way to talk, the way to assist in having to actually solve the world's problems is through the use of free speech, not through cutting it off with political correctness which is what they're so insistent to put that we do can i just drop something here not for you to answer to right now but to think about free speech versus hate speech i want to talk to you about that because i think it's a fine line but continue your thought i just want to plot that in your head because i'm interested sure in well i think that when i saw that i made a
fact that I didn't particularly like the content of what was being shown. Of course. And I thought, right, you've got, you, I've got, I've got people who I know on Facebook, put up a post about it so that they see it through the lens that I want. Sure. So obviously it's my influence. Yeah. This is bad. We shouldn't do this. Here's a thought on how to make, here's a thought on how it should be, which is conversation through free speech, not protesting because it makes you feel virtuous. That's not how this works. Well, online social virtuous or virtuosity is is a whole pack of worms in itself. That, and it's and Jordan game. Peterson was it's, talking about on the Joe Rogan podcast, man, like this idea of 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 fake virtuism, right? It's it's the idea that you are doing something because you're a good person, but you're not doing it because you're a good person. You're doing it because you want the growth. Because you look like a good person, which just adds to the outrage culture of what the fuck you're doing. Well, I decided yes, it's the same but, thing. But, but, but this is where it's very sneaky. If you say I don't like social justice warriors, they've got a perfect response, which is to basically suggest that you don't like social justice. Okay, here, here, here. Now that's, hot newsflash, Eugene. But, but Pockets that's how they work. on live stream no, fucking hate social justice warriors. He can come it's at very me as much as you want. I don't Do you know why? But you know why? Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's, it's it doesn't just, work. It's it's one outrage versus another outrage on the other side, and it's just and and it, you know people in the people in the middle, people who are not ultra on either side, not super fucking ridiculous on either side, get caught in the crossfire, and they're the ones that get damaged. They're the ones that get attacked, and they're the ones that get scoped out. It's you never if you're if you're a fucking super and I, I don't want to get into deep politics, but his I'm talking about social media right now. OK, we're not talking about American politics or Canadian sure. politics or European politics. We're talking about social media politics, which is its own fucking realm. OK, so sure. if you're ultra left leaning on social media, OK, in terms of your belief system and what you post and you're part of the outrage culture on the left, then what yeah. you're doing when you post is targeting the ultra right on the right of social right. media. But instead sure. of actually hurting the ultra right, you're getting you're you're trapping people in the middle that have nothing to do with your fucking conversation, but are not ultra either side. And and before your attack can can like hit the the other side, you you got like some fucking serious debris in the middle. You got some shrapnel hitting in the middle for people oh, yeah. that are just like normal fucking people with you know maybe a mixture of conservative views, maybe a mixture of left views, and 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 with just a, a, an idea that what they want from social media is, yo, here's my favorite actor. I want to see what he's doing. Or here's my favorite show. I want to see the updates to that. Or here's some friends of mine that are posting something that seems really cool. But you get like, I feel like social media now is no longer for the, the, the people that just want to enjoy social media for what it used to be enjoyed for, which was no, links to cool that, movie yeah. trailers and cool discussions about religion or, uh, or, or uh, uh, social philosophy or whatever it might be. It's right. now ultra right, ultra left, get fucked if you're in between. You're not in a camp you in, in between. The, in the you're, you're yeah. either, and I, I feel like regardless if you talk about country politics, and this, this permeates no matter where the fuck you live. I don't care if you live in Greece or in the United States or in Canada. You, you get that shit everywhere. It's just 2018. That's the way life is. And I feel so sorry for the people that get caught in the middle when all they were looking for was like, yo, I like this guy. I want to see some cool tweets. And I feel like sure. you, you know the, the worst thing anyone can do, regardless of your reach, is to play into that. I feel sure. like, like social media, the root reason for it, the idea of free speech, the idea of you can say whatever you want to say to people in the world and have that reach in Saudi Arabia or Russia or I don't know, uh, Greece or wherever it might be, Turkey, right? Sure. You, you lose 
you lose the essence of what it was designed for. And now it's just it's just another fucking it's just another fucking outlet for mainstream media to pull out bullshit. And then you get these little leeches, right? Who maybe have a hundred thousand followers or might be a partner on a platform or whatever. And they're seeing this and they're like, okay, how do I use this for my own benefit? It's lost its virtue, in my opinion. Like like social media. I agree. It's it's totally lost, man. Like you think CNN is lost for now or Fox News is lost regardless. Twitter is just as toxic. And you could say, yo, it's who you follow, but that's not how Twitter works. I don't follow sure. assholes, but they follow assholes. So when they like an assholes post, you better be seeing it. I'm seeing it in my feed. You know what I mean? Like it's not, yeah. you can't close your eyes from it. So I just feel like, you know, outrage culture is is inherently damaging to our society. I feel like regardless of social media or not, outrage culture is disgusting. Regardless of, and I'm not talking about politics here. I'm not talking about who you vote for. I'm not talking about where you sit on either side of the aisle. Outrage culture sure. can be something that's beyond politics. And I think that it's, sure. I think it's damaging as fuck to mental health. I think that is, it, it's the mob mentality. We touched on this, dude. Like you go from outrage mm. culture to a mob mentality. Let's say you don't agree with someone that had a post on a social media platform with a hundred plus likes or a hundred thousand plus likes, whatever the fuck reach you are, right? Then if you say something, even when you back it up with your own opinion, you back it up with your own uh, 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 personal experiences, with what you've learned, your culture, whatever, if you don't have a hundred thousand people liking your shit, then you are the enemy. You're not able to have that conversation. You're just inherently wrong, not because of what you said, but because of how many likes the other person had. And I think that is damaging. I want to yeah. know what you think. I agree with you on that. I, I, you've covered a lot of ground there. I think that there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, I, I do think one of the things that I always, I always think about is what is the solution to kind of people who cause damage in that kind of way, whether they're actually saying outrageous things or they're responding with outrage. Sure. Because both are problem. Because here's the thing: you, you both have problem are problematic. Yeah, you know, really being outraged—it's okay to be outraged by something, but what you do about it is very different. Well, how you be- how you react to it, how you behave, how you how you react, yeah, what you feel and how you react. Now, this is the thing where the filter between those two is really degraded, because social media has become have, don't have to. We don't have to take responsibility because it's all you know. It's on the internet. We can do it so quickly. It's easy. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. And that's what I'm very da- that's what I'm careful about social media is. It's so easy. And I've done, <laughs> it's so easy to, to be outrageous yeah. and be outraged. And that's not a virtue. And so my, my, my comments to people, when I see people who struggle with not knowing how to deal with things that they don't like to see, mm-hmm. is, you're ang- are, you a- is, is, are you angry? Are you, are you outraged? Are you upset? Okay. Well, then go read a book. I love you. <laughs> I love you so much. That's it. No, no, it's so true that's, though, that, that dude. I said this that, to my, uh, I said this to my wife you want the to other paraphrase day. Paraphrase it. Are you out? Ask them. Are you outraged? Are you at, Are you upset? Are you Are you angry? Okay, that's good. I want go read a book. So you have nothing more to say. I have I have nothing more to say to you. And this and this, I was talking about maturity, mm-hmm. but it is maturity. It is to do with maturity. Are you going to indulge your outrage to the point that you think it is a just? It is it is of of importance and value to people to such a degree that you've got to be unless it's really important unless you're dealing with I don't know how mature you want to go because 
unless you're dealing with someone with, with someone who is you know deniers of a very awful part of climate history. change for example have a good idea right okay let's, yeah let's, sure that's, you know, that, fuck that, it, i mean wow. that's just obviously i mean without being outraged to people who don't believe in climate change read a fucking book okay cool. read a journal go, go read a book read a fucking journal people, yeah exactly right? go like, read a book the shit's there the info's there read a fucking Flor- journal florida is, you know it's happening it's it's it so it's easy to be outraged but try to remember that go and read a book and okay. i really mean that you, you've got to improve you've got to improve your own you can't rely on your emotions and your upset being the actual ver- being be they're not virtues well they're not always, they're not the core be, of your being, argument either you have feeling to have the core sorry, of your argument feeling sorry for someone and being outraged by someone are not demonstrations that you're an inherently good person and people are obsessed with that nowadays yeah, you got some jordan and peterson they, shit going on right there mate you got some, I, well look i love I mean, it i love it I, yo I mean, be inspired but it, it's there it's there it's 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 not um it's said with it is you know no, I'm just saying you reflected so well because I watched the Joe Rogan. I don't know if did you watch Joe Rogan with him? Uh, uh, yeah, I've seen a few. Yeah. So no, there was a Joe Rogan with with Jordan Peterson like three months ago, and I uh, that was the one that you know you told me to go and check this guy out, and and I did. Yeah, he's and on this like all is this meat diet. He's and he's also doing this kind of like uh, uh, university lecture kind of thing, but for the general public, and he's going to these different arenas and he's selling them out, and he's just. I, I wrote. Debates. I wrote to him. Oh, did you? Did I you reply? To... Oh, hello. Drop my mic. Sorry. We have technical issues. I... We're having technical issues here, everybody. I um, I wrote to him actually. Yeah, I wrote to him just to say thanks for your comments on the importance of free speech. And what did did he reply? <laughs> He's got lots of letters. Coming. Does he? Okay, I don't but know. I, I, I don't know him. So, so made, prob- that that was probably something that done to make me feel better. But I hope he received it. It was a very weird, very very short notice, clumsily written letter. But it, I, I wrote to him about it. But yes, no, it is. It is nowadays. If you uh, it, on on principle, if you can take a bite-sized bit of wisdom from this, it would be: Are you outraged? Okay, go read a book, mate. I just got to say, you, like like shades of my father right now. Okay, like this is the this is the thing, and I don't want to try and make this into a them versus them kind of situation because I don't believe in that. Okay, no. But but there is something. <laughs> that maybe you'll. Maybe you'll be able to re-say what I say and and not piss people off when I because I I have an issue of not being able to I try and say something and I say it in the wrong way and then I get outrage culture against me. Um, this is my fucking life. But what I'm trying to say is that you know I went to boarding school. You went to boarding school. Okay, we were brought up in similar. I mean, I've met your family. You've met mine. We brought up in similar families, and. I'm not saying everyone that goes to boarding school in the UK turns out the same way or has the same views or the same uh, uh, feels the same ethics or anything like that. I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm just going to say that right now. I'm not saying it's a me versus them kind of thing. But, but, that's the prelude. That's the prelude. But, <laughs> oh, there are certain people. Eugene's a great example. Um, he's much politer than I am on, online. I'm, I am. I have a zero fucks attitude because I don't, I don't have a brand, so I don't care. Fuck you! I'm not polite. <laughs> He's like, I gotta drop that f bomb. I gotta make that. I gotta make that balanced. But, but there are certain things that you say, right? And I, you know, I've lived in, as you know, I've lived in the UK and I've lived in North America, whether it's the US and Canada, both. I've had both sides of the story, um, and I was brought up with an American education, and I was also brought up with yeah. English education. Uh, different times in my life, I- America was you know, from one to 10 and then, and then UK from uh, 11 to 18. And then I moved to Canada right. for university. Um, so I've had like Can a Can I good... ask you quickly, which boarding school you went? Do you uh, mind I asking? I went to Stowe. 
You went to Stowe. Okay. Went to Stowe. Okay. Where, where were you? I was. I was. Um, I wasn't far. Well, you're not right. far. Was, okay, was, well, we can talk yeah. about it offline, but yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, so for me, it was, um, I've, I've noticed, when I go back to England, right, when I go to Scotland to see my father, right, and I sit down for dinner, you know, we, we cook dinner together, we sit down, and we, we, we always have these really deep, not like necessarily emotionally deep, but just really in-depth chats, right? And it could be about anything. It could be about politics, or it could be about... Uh, produce in the UK versus America, whatever it might be, or Canada, or, you know, uh, weed legalization in Canada versus not having it in the UK, or whatever it might be. We, we, we talk, right? And, you, you guys have that now. Oh, yeah. October 17th, big day for Canada. Big day for Canada. Uh, Good I, luck, I, man. I'm not excited at Let's all. Let's do a podcast that day. Oh, God. It, it, it's it's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> What are we talking about? Seriously, though, uh, I mean, like, we could talk about marijuana because it's a uh, there's some seriously cool fucking conversations about that. But in terms of this in this particular part of the conversation, I've noticed that whether it's Cobra Man, who's one of my mods you you talked to earlier, or it's you, and uh, everyone's got different upbringings, and not everyone goes to boarding school, and some people live in London, some people live in the country, whatever. I've noticed that I can have really, really honest, in depth. And personal conversations with people about politics and about belief and about uh, about uh, whatever it might be. Just real shit that affects everyone's lives. And I can have that with you, for example. And it's just, it's like talking to my dad. It's like, we might not agree on everything, but there's a level of respect. There's a level of understanding. And there's a level, the, the, more, the most important thing is there's a level of trying to learn alternate opinions. Okay? Sure. It's, it's and honestly, honest someone. Yeah, it's having the honesty and it's having the thirst to try and understand the opinion and not just be waiting for your next response. I feel like when I talk to a lot of people in Canada, right, and North America in general, right, I've lived in both countries, so I can't be outed for that. Um, it's always you're having a debate or a conversation and you can tell they're not really listening. They are waiting to respond, right? Sure. And and it's something – I'm not saying every North American does this. I've had – plenty of beautiful conversations with North Americans, but I do feel that when I meet someone or talk to someone that has similar upbringing to me, there is a level of uh, a, just, a, just a different kind of experience. It's a different kind of, like, I don't know how to explain it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's no, not it's about intellectualism or how smart you are or, or culture. It's just a level, it's just a different type of a form of, of, of conversing. I'm not quite sure how to put it, but like being No, I, I know what you mean. Does that make sense to you? No, it does, and it's funny. I'm not. I'm. 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 I'm not a. Um, it's a weird thing to kind of plug, but when I, I went to school, I went to. A, I went to a Catholic school. Okay. So okay. I was raised Catholic. And when I was at school, there was something. I mean, and I and I don't. I don't have. I mean, I. 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 I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was something about. The there was an ethos which pre prevailed in the school, which was in, in instilled in kids at a very young age, mm -hmm. like prep school. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. Guys, I mean, you, I, sorry, I if you're not aware, prep school to... is like pre high school in the UK. It's right. like uh, what would that be? Yeah, like six, yeah, to, exactly. six to twelve kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But also later, I went to two Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. I went to a little. I went to a little prep school. And then I went to a prep Catholic boarding school. Okay. 
And even at a young age, there was a, and I, and I really, I, I do think it was in the ethos of the Catholic faith. And I'm not a, I'm not a Catholic. Okay. I mean, I'm religious. I have some faith, but I'm not, 100%. I have not. A, You're not a Catholic. Uh, I get you. You're not in a school. <laughs> in, a, in a religious I, school, I mean, was, not in school. But I, but there was something in it that, uh, that, that, well, you could say it was just good manners. So let's be clear. You okay. teach Etiquette's, good manners. Etiquette's important. Fine. But there was something about that ethos that uh, that, for, that 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 really permeated and was instilled in kids at a very young age. Um, and I've always been quite a loud kid, so I I, I was always more keen about being listened to than listening. But I learned to be very still and very. I learned kind of I look more quietness. Too much stillness, respect. mate. To the point where the video looks like it's broken. <laughs> like it looks like it's frozen. Yeah, exactly. And I get what you mean. Though. I get what you mean. Yeah, exactly. When my voice is going. um so so i I, there's something about that there's something about the way that there's something about the way i i i noticed kids were raised when i was at a religious school and i'm not plugging religious schools no i get what you're saying though here's a great example right i'm just aware of it and i'm interested we're both this is a good conversation because we're both expats right i know you live half and half right 60 40 whatever but we're both, you're in LA, I'm in Toronto. Toronto is, and I'm sure you know this from the film industry, it's the LA of the East Coast, right? We have, right. I had the purple Lambo from Suicide Squad 2. Sorry, Suicide Squad 1, 2 is not out yet. <laughs> uh, out, parked outside my house because they always film in my area. So I had Joker's purple Lambo parked outside my house. We, we, the Toronto <laughs> is, the, is, the, is the Hollywood of the East Coast. That's why we have Tiff sure. and all that shit. But what sure. I noticed, what I noticed I, about I, this is that and I'm not trying to upset people who listen to this, and I always do, so apologies in advance because I'm probably going to upset you. But when I speak to someone like you, Eugene, right, it's such a different experience than than the majority of people, whether they're really close friends of mine or they're online or whatever, that I experience in in, in North America. I'm not, I'm, and, and to be fair, not every person I speak to in the UK I have this experience with. I'm not saying that. I, I don't. But – there's i'm trying to understand and i don't know if i ever will but i'm trying to understand like when i you know the reason you're a friend beyond the fact that we're friends is just because there's a there's a there's a point in that relationship there's a point when we discuss things right where we could totally be on opposite ends sure but there's always a level of respect there's a level of understanding and there's always a level of trying to understand the other person's perspective without losing your own i don't know what it is about i'm not sure if it's upbringing or if it's culture or if it's schooling or if it's being expats or what i don't know what it is dude but there are you know like it's very rare for me to be able to say like okay it's talking to you even on this podcast right now which is live and we've prepped for and whatever there is an essence of talking to you is having an essence of talking to my dad at dinner right and it's 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 very weird because living in toronto i don't get that very often i get it with a couple people but i don't really get that vibe. And I'm not saying that's bad that I don't get that vibe. I have different vibes of the people. But there is something in, in, in inherently homey and 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 uh, nostalgic when I have a conversation with you about issues versus someone that I know in the city. I'm just trying to understand. I don't know if you get that or not, but from my perspective, I just don't know what makes that shift happen. Because I understand mm-hmm. that people are inherently different and we all have different backgrounds and cultures. And I know a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. And I'm not saying one's better than the other, but there's something about when we talk, for example, 
that's very reminiscent of when I speak to my dad. And I just I, I I'm wondering if it's edu- if it's the UK educational system that put. But at the same time, I know a lot of assholes from boarding school who were total pricks <laughs> that I would never want to have a fucking conversation with because not only are they assholes, but they're fucking stupid. Right, so I can't really say it's the educational system. I'm just trying to figure out what the fucking what what's the vibe, right? Like, did, did do you understand what I'm trying to say, or is this just totally yeah. waffle? I don't know. No, anymore. no, no, no. I get it. I don't know anymore. I get it. It's just interesting I get it. to me. I get it. I get it. I, I don't know what the behind it are. I do new kind of cultural phenomenon. I think it's scare. I think I think it's rooted in um, fear and not reading enough. Do you think it's a lost art, though, I really the, art the, the art of conversation, right? Like the art of having a debate or a discussion. I think discussion is a better word than debate because I think the word debate's been tarnished by mainstream media across the world. I think when you go into it, when you think of debate, you think of well, someone shouting I- at someone else over each other, trying to make that point in, 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 in a six minute window. Whereas a discussion is your side, their side, meeting in the middle, not meeting in the middle, but just having a respectful conversation. What do you think? I think identity politics broken down discussion to the point that whenever we say something, what is inherently what is inherently believed about the purpose for we for why we are saying anything is that we are trying to defend our own community, our, our own little. Uh, uh, we are trying to defend our your side uh, group within you're our right. group. What if you're not in a group? What if you're not in a group? Like I'm not. I'm not in a group. Oh shit! I'm not in a group. Don't burn yourself. No, that's good. Um, I'm not in a group. I'm not like I'm not like ultra like fucking Hillary Clinton, for example. If I was in America, I'm not well, ultra Donald Trump. Right. I'm not. Uh, I'm not super. You know, Theresa May, and I'm not super other dude. Uh, sure. Whatever. You're his not name pitching. Is. I'm not. I'm not pitching a tent. I I, sure. I kind of pick vibes off people. Sure. You, know, you might do something good. You might do something bad. What do you do when you're not in a group, though? Well, first of all, you first of all you have identity politics perpetuated by the left say that one more I mean, time because you dropped be, out you, you, cut, be, you cut out say that one sorry, more time I, just said what you ha- I think it's important to remember that that a lot of that is the result of identity politics which is which no that's not true actually i, I misspoke it's just the consequence of i think of the of the, the problems on both sides of our of our society's political spectrum that are related to identity politics and the problem with that is that all the time that any discussion is engaged in we all man that we all man that we all man the um what's the right term not the battlements. We man, we you know, we man our positions because we think that we are under attack from some other group in can you, race or identity. Can you do me a favor and explain, in your opinion or in your mind, to the to the people listening, what do you call identity politics? Because it's a very broad term, right? And it can be used and misused in multiple situations. So, just for the people listening, what would you consider identity politics? So that when we talk about it, they have a reference. Um, a category of people that are needing of, that are oppressed, that are, um, oppressed or oppressive. So for me, and maybe, maybe, you, maybe you'll disagree, but for identity policy is my mind. It's like, you're not, you don't have a self-identity anymore in terms of your, uh, your, your megaphone. You are now oh, preaching for... You're part of a collective, a, a, a collective identity, right? And wh- whatever it might be, it could be about Greenpeace. It could Greenpeace is a, is a perfect example of identity politics um, versus people that don't believe in climate change. Another identity politics. I mean, it doesn't have to be. Well, when we say politics, we don't mean. At least I don't mean. 
uh, liberal versus a conservative. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's sure. just whatever your group is online for whatever you're into is your identity. That's what identity sure. politics would be to me. I, the, the way that I would put it down is that every, the, the belief of identity politics is that every individual arises from the greater, greater group to which they're associated with. And no matter if anyone speaks up, then really what they're doing is representing the platform that they are, they are associated with. Okay. And, and the problem with that is that anyone can determine for you what group you are associated with. Mm -hmm. You have no choice. You got no choice. So if you, you, you might not, you might be you associated not, with a group that you yes. have you're aligned in one perspective and not aligned in like 20 others, but you'll be called exactly. out for being aligned for everything. So you might say Exactly. This is no different than on social than it is on in, in real politics, right? Like you might yes. This is what I was it goes back to the idea of when I was saying like you get caught in the middle. You might be in the middle. You might be liberal, for example, like like libertarian, right? Where you kind of center and you kind of vibe a little bit of conservative, a little bit of left wing liberal. But you, sure. you make a statement if you got enough reach, and then like whether that statement's right or left leaning, you're gonna get called out for being ultra right or ultra left, or you know you sure. might say that you like uh, I don't know uh, universal health care, and then people will will put you in that box of liking everything that for example bernie sanders likes beyond universal healthcare mm -hmm. when you didn't even fucking say that right you can't pick and sure. choose what you believe anymore it's either group a or group b yeah yeah i think that's yeah, so fucked right. up and it's so it's so stupid and i mean that not in just like a this is a stupid kind of way i mean that in like an intellectually stupid fucking way that people but, but can't it, have more I mean, depth than that but isn't it interesting though that think about this group idea if you think about the idea that you're always supposed to be associated with some kind of group, you can anyone can decide for you what group you are fighting on behalf of in their view. Mm -hmm. There's there's a word for it. That's the that's well, that's the identity politics kind of attitude. There's a that's the that's that's the that's their position. But there seems to be this this underlying I there's you know, there there, there is um there's the essence of sort of some aspects of ideology on that. Do you think that missing out and I, and I think that that's the thing. problem? When you were talking about the FOMO thing earlier, the the fear of yeah. missing out, right? Do you think that there's a, a huge like emotional or psychological resonance of that that attributes to identity politics? Because I think that oh, like if oh, you're just a normal, uh, oh, if you're yeah. just like a normal user of Twitter, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, it, it and you're not maybe you got social anxiety and maybe you're not very good with reaching out to people and maybe you don't have a lot of friends and you make yeah. you make a statement that aligns with a big group of people and you kind of just let it happen. Because you know mm. that even if you're letting it happen, you feel more inclusive than excluded. Because <laughs> so you kind of just like let things pass and allow people to assume these things about you because it's more important that you feel part of a collective than having your own thoughts about something and being separate. Does that make sense? Absolutely. If you're if you think that being part of a collective, as you would in any social situation will increase your light, your quality of life, then you are, they're all the more appealing. And, and, and if you have those tendons, if you, and, 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 and this is why, you know, this is why it's so important to try to remember that if you ever get outraged by something, what you might consider is that actually maybe there's some sort of slight personal growth that needs to be adopted. This, you have to adopt some sure. attitude towards your personal growth because being outraged isn't, the, being outraged isn't, it, it will not ever be your solution. So let me ask you it this might, then. It's a, it's a sign. Yeah. It tells you something. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the, it doesn't define the, you. It's not the, it's not the react, it's not the, it's not the it's reality not, of your situation though. It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not what's, what's, yeah, right. 
It's, so, it's not. It's it's outrage is not what is need what is needed from you. You're not need. It doesn't. You don't need. It's not that is not going to provide a solution. I got you. What will is that you understand what it is you don't like, what it is you do, what it is that others do and don't, but you choose the way in which you're going to better yourself so that you can try to not be possibly exposed to becoming the sort of thing that you hate, which is what, and it links back, what people like Antifa have done. So let me ask you a really poignant question then, okay? So you get, I'm going to call out names because I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. You get, you're talking to me about this. You're talking to me about what you stand for, what you think is wrong with identity politics and what, and from my understanding, we're vibing the same idea that it shouldn't be black and white. There's shades of gray, right? There, and everything in life. And I'm sure you understand this as well. Shades of gray, life's a tapestry of colors, right? Sure. But you do understand that when you look at YouTube, for example, and you look at someone like Jake Paul or Logan Paul and the outrage culture that they produce and they market and they promote because it makes them millions of dollars of money a month. How do you, right, as a, I'm not talking about Eugene Simon the actor, I'm just talking about Eugene Simon. When you look at someone that is huge on YouTube with millions and millions of subscribers that bases their money and their income purely off of outrage culture, how do you react to that? Because I mean like, these are the same motherfuckers and I I have no respect for these people. Um, The only respect I have for them is that they know how to make money. And I can respect anyone from knowing how to make money. But I have no ethical respect for these people because they are toxic. And they are – they have – these are the ones, mate. These are the ones that have millions of fucking eight-year-olds following them and getting their merchandise for Christmas. And, you know, if if they say something, then they they fucking replicate it and they mimic it. You have this huge – and I would say it's it's happened in the last two years really of YouTube where you have this huge – young audience that is completely driven on their actions and their ethics based on your every word. And this is where it comes back to full circle with the idea of having responsibility with your reach. What do you kind of say to those kind of people? Like, you don't have to at anyone right now. I'm just, I gave examples. But I mean, like, to me, when I look at this shit, number one, I think it's fucking stupid. I feel like I've lost brain cells listening to this shit. Even if it's people reacting to their shit, I think it's fucking stupid. I think it's, I think it's detrimental to youth, regardless of what country you're from. And I think it tarnishes uh, the power and the the, the 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 impact of good that can be that can happen from social media. I think it's it's fucking toxic. That's my vibe on it. But I also understand that they're saying what makes me the most money. So from someone that is from your background that has these ethical views, but also lives in the same world of you know, I got a lot of reach and I'm I'm doing film and people see me and I'm I'm, I'm people are aware of me and the more I do things, the more successful I get the more that's going to, uh, you know, expand. What do you vibe on that? Like, where is the line? Like, if you, and, I, and I'm not trying to call you out, but on an ethical hypothe- uh, hypothesis, right? If you, let's say, tripled your reach, okay? And you were winning an Oscar, right? And you were the new Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm no doubt that it's going to fucking happen, but let's just say it happens tomorrow, <laughs> all right? Let's just say it fucking happens tomorrow, Okay. And, and and you fucking, you win your Oscar, you lived in a dead horse, and you got the reach, okay? <laughs> you, live, you, you got the reach. And you got, there's that part of you that goes, oh shit, like, you know, if I said it this way, I make X, Y, Z more amount of dollars than if I said it the other way. But there's an ethical barrier between the two. 
How do you approach a situation like that? And what do you feel about the people that do it a different way than you? I mean, it depends. Such a broad spectrum. I know it's so broad. I'm, just, I'm not expecting a, like, no, a no, no, super no, no, heavy no, no. answer. I'm just curious. It, I mean, <laughs> it's such that there's so many variables to it. I, I, think, I think I can... I think I can... I think I can better... I mean, I think that if I... If I were in... I mean, if I were in that position, I don't... I, the honest truth is... I hope I don't have the attitude they hold. I don't hold the attitude that they hold. That's what I, love I don't about think you. that, huh? That's what I love about you. I don't think I. I don't. I mean, I. I, I don't. I want to be sure about that. So I say that about myself. Mm -hmm. But I want to be sure about that, and I can't be until I know. And but I, I. What I would say is, I don't hold the attitude they do, and I wouldn't want to because it would fucking feel awful. Right. I. I. I mean, I. I couldn't. I couldn't handle that kind of ugly, uh, that kind of, that kind of icky, ickiness. That corrupt. Well, that get, kind of. You don't corrupt. get caught up in the craze, man. You don't get caught I, up. I, in do, that. I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I try. You know, you've got to stop. You got to. You got to stop yourself from doing it and I'm, getting involved in it. But I try. Right. I do try to not not to. I, I think. I think here. I think I can best answer your question by saying, if you have your, if you have individuals. I, I by the way, I, I. I mean, I. I know roughly some of the people you're talking about, but probably because of the way that I choose not to engage with it as much as I can. I'm not sure. as familiar as I should. I, I roughly know the kind of field people that you're talking about. I think sometimes the young Turks kind of really get their grind up against people, but the kind of people that you're talking about. Yeah. So anyway, I, 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 not to call anyone out, but I think with those kind of people, if you encounter them, my mind goes more to who is watching them and why, and why are they, and, and what are they doing about it? So you can watch it and have an opinion and get out. And you can just watch it because it's funny. Now, some people sometimes, you know, Alex Jones, not to say it again. I fucking love Alex little, Jones. He's an idiot, well, but I love whatever. him. God damn it, well, he's funny. Not. He's fucking well, great. Comedic action. <laughs> like, it's, it's pure well, anyway, comedy. It's not even real. It's just whatever, hilarious. Whoever it is you choose to listen to, you don't always necessarily, you're not always necessarily reacting to it in an, in a, in an inappropriate way. Sometimes it is. Comic, comical. So it's let comedy. me ask you a quick question there. Let me ask you. Do you think that the water's making the frogs gay? I gotta tell you, man. I, I don't know what that means. It's it's a it's a famous Alex Jones quote where he went. Oh, on I this, didn't know that. He I went like two years ago. He went on this massive fucking rant. It's like a big meme on the internet. It's been for years, and he goes he goes in this fucking rant about how like companies are putting chemicals in the water that turn frogs gay, and somehow. <laughs> That has an affiliation and a, and, a, and a connection to to U.S. politics, and and the funny thing about it is he's had a lot of shit recently, right? Like he's been banned off Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, all this shit, right? And he went on a on a YouTube interview, and he actually spent twenty minutes trying to tell people and make them understand why the frogs are gay. He actually went on a fucking like. In his mind, this all made sense. It was all connected. This was minority report shit. But in everyone else's mind, it's just like, you are just the best meme on the planet. Like, you are just what we need right now. It's like it's like Batman. It's like, you're not the hero we want. You're the hero we need. It's, it's, I don't know how else to explain it. Alex Jones is another level of what the fuck. And I, I don't like his views. If you but tell my that, God, is he funny. You tell him that, he'll believe you. Don't oh. tell Alex Jones he's Batman. He'll believe you. He'll do it, man. Like he's just come he's back just on and say it online. Anyway. <laughs> so let me ask you this question then. So, what do you think so you're in the traditional film stage acting kind of career, right? Like true Hollywood, 
uh, and not just Hollywood, but like, you know, uh, you, you were up for a BAFTA a couple, a few years ago, all that kind of stuff. You're in like the traditional sense. Well, no, I was up my show. I was in was up for one. Okay. Well, same, I mean, like same difference. Like you're up for a I got a, I got a, I got a, <laughs> I mean, whatever. My point is, is that, you know, there's a lot of these new upstarts, like whether you know them or not, like Jake Paul, uh, Logan Paul, millions of subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, I think it's like 15 million now or some shit like that. And they are doing rap videos and diss tracks. They're in movies and and like they're they're doing and not like big movies. It's the way I describe this. The way I compare it is the way that YouTube is going right now is they are trying to get into real movies. Right? They're using it through their YouTube Red program, which is completely controlled by YouTube. But it's no different than when the wrestling wrestling entertainment, right? Like World Wrestling Federation or entertainment or whatever the fuck it is now. When, when like John Cena or uh, Brock Lesnar or uh, what's that dude who's in fucking Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, uh, Chris. No, not, no, no, no. The, the, the big, the big boy. Oh, um, oh, I, I follow him. Jeez. Um, oh, what is his name? Come on. Batista. It's fucking Batista. Batista. Yeah. He was in the WWE, right? Like he was, I'm going to fucking snap you in half. And fucking, right? And then he starts going in Guardians of the Galaxy and like making millions of fucking dollars. The Rock is a great example, right? You right. see this transition from something absolutely on the ridiculous, absolutely the AIDS of television to making, you know, uh, the new Jumanji movie. Right, and you're seeing this shift and this paradigm shift in YouTube to movie. Yeah, as a traditional actor that isn't trying to grow their brand on outrage, how do you vibe that? Like, what is your thought on? Do you think you should start doing YouTube, or do you think it's a totally like different era, like like realm? Like, how do you vibe? I think the, that? I think the I think the playing field change completely and you need to accept and any actor that doesn't see that happening needs to kind of get real and get with the times i mean i i see that i see that um i'm i'm taught that you know the best way to get a job is to try to get it before that it even goes to casting so i mean i you... think that's the way to do it but you you know that for, for me that's the way that you go about doing it you create your own work through mad many many mad ways you know, you, you, re you really do. You can't, I, 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 I encourage people who, I mean, obviously there are some very crazy stories out there, so I can't sure. say I agree with all of them, but you know, you're, you're not, don't, don't make the mistake of thinking that you have to be confined to the traditional methods of getting into acting because you know what? You probably won't, it'll probably, it probably won't work out. Okay. But someone that's in it as you are, how do you, do you, do you see social like, like YouTube videos and stuff? being a tool that you could use in the future to expand your brand or absolutely. do you, you do? Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think not thing wrong with it. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's, um, I think, I think that I, we, I don't think, I don't find that there's judgment in that. I don't, I don't feel, I, and I can't think of an example. I'm sure there probably is one, which I'd find and be like, Oh, that's not right. But you know, I, I don't say you find any way in because you what that's not right. You need you need you know it's you can't do that. But I, I I do think that you need to start thinking really really happily and healthfully outside of the box because you've got to do it because you love it. Yeah, you can't just go ahead and start thinking. All right, the thing that I have to do and and you what you may at some point you know the absolute necessity to success is um, 
I have to have, well, I mean, in my view, always have to have an agent. You know, an agent is important. If, okay. you, if we're just talking about my, if we're just talking about acting, yeah, if, sure. I, if I could understood you correctly. Yeah. If that's what I understood. But, but you know, you can also find, I mean, Shia LaBeouf, I think, for ages is the actor that he had, had no representation at all. Yo, I fucking love Shia LaBeouf. I don't give a Shia shit what LaBeouf. people think. He's fucking great, dude. You're walking through the den. Shia LaBeouf. I just think he's, you know what? Shia LaBeouf is a great example, okay? Such like, I'm not saying he's the best actor in the world, but I appreciate his serious role, you know, roles, and I appreciate his, uh, his funny roles. Like, even Stevens back in the fucking day. Like, that shit was fire. That shit was fire. I loved it. He was a yeah. goof. I fucking, it was great. But, I you know, he's gone more political, he's gone weird, he's gone artsy, and I vibe it. I don't necessarily agree with everything that he does, but I mean, like, shit. Yeah. I mean, why the fuck not, dude? Like, let him, like, I'm not I saying that's the I recipe for success. I'm just simply saying, he. I don't think he's crazy. I think he's just, ex he's expressing his art form in a very non-traditional way. That's how I'd say yeah, it. I was yeah, I know, I think so too. I was thinking about actors who have, yeah. I, I, I think he's an incredible actor and I think that he's just, and that's, and, and, and there's nothing that can change that. I, just a thought occurred to me is how, well, it's another different one really, but yeah, I think he's, 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 he's just an amazing actor. I think. I want to hear and this I thought. Do. What was this thought that was totally off topic? I want to hear it. I want to know. Well, I was thinking about how, how act, I don't know. I was thinking about how it actors, how actors um, want, how your opinion, is, is is affected once you start to know who they are a little. Okay. Sort of, if you know, and, it, and and I'm not talking about anything. I'm just saying how you choose the actors that you really like. And I would say that you know there are. I think I think he's he's. I, I, I remember the reason the thought thing came into this really cool music video, like really wicked. Who the musician was. And who the design? Who 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 like organized? Hey, let me let me let me look it up. Who organized? The I can, if you tell me what video. it is, I can show people on my stream. Um, so Shia LaBeouf music video. It's oh just type in. Yeah, we're <laughs> gonna get such bad results. Music video. Yeah. Okay. And um, music video. All right. Let's let's see. Yeah. Here we are. See ya. Elastic Heart. It's called. Elastic Heart. Elastic. Elastic Heart. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. It's a really good video. And people gave him stick because they thought that the video would, I mean, I remember some people saying that they thought the video was um, inappropriate. Okay, so let me let me put this on the stream. For people who are listening who are not on the stream, I'm sorry about this. It's a Shia LaBeouf music video with Sia or Shia or whatever, how you pronounce that. Um, I'm just going to pop this on for a couple of like 10 seconds or something just to give an idea of what it is. Um, and then, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's that long. It's like, th it's like three, th it's like nearly four. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Oh, that went well oh there we go that just took a long time to do uh all right let me pop this on and do oh it's an ad i love ads ads are fun <laughs> ads are so, oh video will play after ad okay guys if you want to watch the new horror movie <laughs> halloween <laughs> here it's out now oh here's the music all right let's check this out oh he's He's full in. He's Shia. He's crazy Shia. Yeah. Has he got the long braid? <laughs> Possibly. Oh, I know this song. I didn't know he was in the video for it. Oh, 
he goes like full tribal and shit. But it's such a, it's it's one of these music so joyous, and I love it. I think I think it's a very exciting, a really amazing music video. And it's I think really that, cool. I well, it's because that and, right, and I think that it was, um, and I remember that people sometimes thought it was inappropriate for reasons best known to them. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And suddenly, and I was like, okay, well, why that? And it's such a strange thing. And suddenly, it's it's. It's 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 corrupted or something, you know. And I go, well, I mean, yeah. that doesn't. And and it's so. And uh, this goes back to what we were talking about a little a little bit earlier. But you know, it's so easy to get to give something a bad vibe, a bad a bad inflection. It's easy bad, to attach something that it's not meant to be about to it. it. Right. Yeah. And and sully it. And totally sully it. Yeah. And and I think that's obsessing. And I and I was just thinking about how do I, it occurred to me about how I really like him as an actor, how easy it is for something, even like that, a simple music video can become something that it isn't. Somebody else wants it to because mm -hmm. they've got a... They've got, that's they've outrage got a, they've culture, got man. That's, that's, outrage you, culture. that's, that's, that's fucking that's how you farm likes. Culture. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. oh, I want to stand for... like Hypothetically, right? I'm sure this is what came into that video. I'm assuming anyway, but I think it's a pretty good assumption. Uh, uh, underage sex or some shit like that. And you make a big fucking statement about it on Twitter because you know it's going to get a bunch of likes. You know it for a fact that fucking music video is not talking about that, but you can yeah. easily connect the two to weirdos online. You get 200 likes and you've just started your own fucking thing. You know sure. what I mean? Like, that's, you've, that's, just started, you've just started a destructive... Yeah, and, no, and, and that's not educational people. That's not good for young people. That's not ethical to do. But you saw an sure. opportunity. You saw a window to make some money or get some clout, and you fucking did it. And I think that it's so detrimental to, um, to just, 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 just being people. Like I'm not even talking like if, if, if people talk about social media as its own realm, its own universe, where the laws of ethics do not apply because it's it's making money and it's business and it's it's branding. But really, it does. It it and and again, James Gunn is a great example of this. He made some joke tweets in 2010 that were ridiculous, and he knew they were ridiculous. But he was trying to get some outrage. He was trying to get some some hype behind his tweets. And sure. look, now he's no longer. He got fired by Disney, and now he's doing Suicide Squad, uh, Suicide Squad Two, right? Like he he paid the price ten years later, right? I'm not saying he should have paid the price or he shouldn't have paid the price. That's not what the conversation's about. It's an example of the fact that you try and do something that's outrageous to grow. You're gonna hit. You're gonna hit a point where you're gonna have to pay the piper, and sometimes it's not gonna sure. be a big deal, but other times it's gonna ruin your career. And and sure. you know you go from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, which is what you're doing, for example. And you're, it's a big, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, as you know, dude, is a huge market. Like, it's a moneymaker. That's a big fucking deal. And then you get downgraded to the B team, to Suicide Squad 2. Suicide Squad 1 did a shit. It did shit. No one liked it. I didn't fucking like it. It was a bad movie. It was just a bad movie. And now you're the, you're the, you're the, you're the B team, dude. You're like, you're the, the replacement. And, you know, it sucks to see, but that's what outrage culture does, man. And if you fuck with it, it'll fuck with you back. Like you, you're gonna, you know what I mean? That's the universe in that's karma sure. in place. And I am not offended by James Gunn's tweets, for example, because I understand their dark humor. And I think that most people don't understand dark humor anymore. I'm not saying it's ethically right or wrong, but it's dark humor. And I'm a, I'm cool. a huge fan of dark humor, but you also have to understand that, you know, you're in an, you're living in an age now where dark humor is no longer accept, is acceptable. So you're sure. going to have to pay the fucking price. For your dark humor. And if you want to be a spokesperson to, 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 to rage against that, you can. If you just want to let it vibe, you can. But that's 
my, my, I guess my point to this is is that regardless of how you feel, the universe and and the the, the social media universe specifically is going to fuck you. It doesn't matter yeah. how you feel about it. It doesn't matter if you think you're in the wrong or right. You're going to get ousted by it. Like outrage culture in social media is so powerful now that it doesn't matter sure. how much reach you have. You are at its mercy. So how does that sure. make you feel as someone that is up and coming, someone that's got reach, but you got to be careful about your brand. You still need to make money, man. You still need to have a life. You still need to be able to put food on the table. You've got to be, there's got to be, there has to be in your perspective, you're in situation, sorry, a, a, a balance between what is ethically right and what is not detrimental to my career. And I think you play it very well. I think you're very good at just being wholesome and pure with what you say. But you you must see the dark side, the, the, the shadow that's ever present in your arena where it's so easy to tip into it and get lost. Does that make any sense? It does, yeah. I see the risk. Do you, yeah, do you, not, do. Do you get any kind of anxiety to that or is it prominent in your mind when you think on a day-to-day or is it just not something you deal with um i do think about it from time to time and i think about what future if uh you know if if if, if you know what would be uh, an example of something going something you know something that would be um well how i how i would use how i would use my social media in a way that was healthy mm-hmm. and i think about that a lot it crosses my mind a lot I think what a lot of it is to do with is you have to be as gr- you have to be as gra- honest and gr- grounded as, as you can be. Okay. So let me ask you this and, then. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, that was uh, no, that was more. And what that entails, I think, is trying to be to understand that what it is that people really want from life. Okay. What is meaningful? Mm-hmm. Can you offer them something that looks meaningful? How do you know what's meaningful? Out of curiosity, you've like, got to look for it. It's well, I mean, like, let's say you've got your fans, right? Let's say some of your fans are in their mid twenties, but some of your fans might be a bit younger, right? They're very different. Like we're talking about generational breaks here. We're talking about millennial versus Gen Z, right? There's a huge break right now between what's millennial, what's Gen Z, what's baby boomer, right? So you might do a post that reaches a bunch of millennials. Maybe they watched you on Game of Thrones years ago. And they loved it. Maybe they were like House of Anubis fans you were talking about that have grown up now, right? But you still get some who are younger who may be just getting into, you know, House of Anubis, for example, that are the age of the people that were originally watching you back then, right? And you've got a massive generational gap in your reach. You've got the older millennials who are more into your serious roles now and more into the idea of your art. But you've also got those young people that are just coming in and being like, yo, like, dude, I fucking downloaded Hercules The Legendary Journey Season 1 three days ago. That shit came out in, like, 1994. I'm still watching that shit. So you're going to get people that are 13, 12, whatever, watching House of Anubis right now. So how do you create content knowing that you've got diversification that's so drastic between age groups and and generational groups like how do you know that something that you're saying is ethically right and and good for someone like good content wholesome content read a book but how does that affect the people that how do you know how do you know how do you know well you see what you have to see what they say about it you have to see what they respond to how they respond so give me an example of a good response for you huh give me give me an example of like a really solid response to your content yeah, okay. you know, like you know, not verbatim or anything, but you know, give me an example. So I'm aware that I'm using. I'm now the hulking, but I'm aware that I'm using 
there's a microphone below. So if this cuts out at all, you tell me. Of course. So I'll read something to you. Absolutely. I want to know. So this was a comment. This is a live a while reading, ago. guys. This is a live reading on, on my stream. Live reading. Okay. Um, um, well, I don't know what, I don't want to read some compliment to me, but I, I you know, it's fine. No one's going to take it in a weird way. Trust me. I'm, I'm already putting the, the barriers down. This is not Eugene trying to... Okay, so... so okay, so I can only try... I, look, this isn't me trying to pick up, but this is just something okay. that I was sent. Yeah. And it, it's an example of something someone said in good faith. Mm -hmm. So I got a message from someone, and or rather a comment, and it said, Hi, Eugene. I hope you're... We met in uh, Vietnam flight, and I sat on your seat mistakenly. Haha, <laughs> still remember you. Uh, I remember that you were so kind, helping me shift all my stuff. You're very humble and kind human being. Again, this is just their words, but may you achieve towering heights in your profession. Blah, 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 blah. All the very best on your up and coming movie resonance. It really touched me. And I thank you very much for making, for making us aware of deaf culture. It's a beautiful comment. It's simple. And I just, and that's the only, and I, that's all I can go off. So for you, so I, I, and really, you know, the, the most of it, the truth is, it has to be, I mean, it's kind of up to me. That's kind of the only real filter I have. I have to know what it is that I think is valuable. And so you've got to, I have to search for it myself. It's kind of a sell, you know, you, I've got to think about it a little bit. Okay. So I really do. It has to be important to me and I have to mean something. And I think that I have generally speaking, when I've been online and doing live streaming kind of channels, when I've been talking about, you know, I've been talking about, I've been doing reading or I've been talking about things. Um, I haven't done it that much, but I, sh I, I think it'll come more in time. I'm loving I them, just by have the way. To see I, how I don't people... comment, but I watch them when you do them. Uh, right. I have, I, to see I, really just how people re I have to just see how people respond. And that's the, the only thing, really. I just have to, I have to hope and assume. I, take, I, I, I trust that I do, and then I see what they say. And, and then I, I do really what is meaningful to me. Okay. So I think it comes down to the individual. So here's a really hard and question. And then I trust that I, I trust, I trust that I'm having a positive, I trust that I'm having a positive effect by putting my ear to, it's like a, it's like a glass, you know, I put my ear to the door and try to see what the humble, what the bumbling, humbling, bum the, the mumbling and the bumbling is about sure. what I've just done. Mm-hmm. And if I feel that the response, particularly when I've done like reading videos, when people are asking me genuine questions, what's a book that you recommend, for example, I'll say, okay, Homage to Catalonia from mm -hmm. by George Orwell. I'll say, okay, why? And I go, well, because it's about the Spanish Civil War, it's history. It's about the fight against um, fascism. That's a great, it's also about, about a very interesting, also about a very interesting writer. Mm -hmm. It's also a fantastic read. It's very in interesting. It's well-written. It paints a very, a paint a very, it's a very honest picture and I really like it. And it's a very good kind of, you know, story. And I hope that that's sincere. So it, ha it has to come from a sincere place. And I can, and I only really can register that through me and then listening to what people are thinking. I get about what it. you're saying. So let What's me, up? let me ask you a pretty, it's not dark, but it's a hard question. I'm sorry. I know I've been asking you a lot of those, but I love you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I love you too, man. <laughs> We talked about this, and I really think it's an interesting topic, okay? So, we both come from a background where we're, we're taught and we're, in, we're encouraged to have to, to form an opinion, to, to take what some, multiple sources of 
argument and read them, you know, digest them, and then pick and choose from those sources what your own opinion is and formulating your own opinion, okay? And, you know, you get taught this in university as well and, and all that kind of stuff. But in this case, like, I feel like with social media now, and not just social media, so it's mainstream media as well, but social media is my, my realm and, and that's where I see it a lot. It's this idea that you can't have an opinion without being judged for it. Like what, what I'm trying to say is that like your form of freedom in terms of the formulaic like opinion that you've created based on multiple sources and you're well-read and, and whatever – is someone else's form of oppression. It comes back to the outrage culture. It comes back to picking sides. But I feel like like I was always brought up to not pick someone's opinion and say it's mine. I've always been brought up to see multiple sides of an opinion or a subject and then take from those sides and then just create my own, right? The good and bad, you take it from both sides. You take it from every angle. But you create your own opinion. But I think in today's age, you can't do that anymore. You, you, you have your firm, your form, as I said, of, of, of freedom of speech, of your, your form of opinion, right, uh, uh, is someone else's form of oppression. It's someone else's form of judgment. It's like, okay, I might not like what you like. So that suddenly to that person, it means that you hate what I like. No, that's not what I'm saying. I do. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's such a loss in terms of sure. debate. I feel like sure. with, with with the lack, you know, with with the death of debate comes. I don't want to be over over dramatic here, but it does lead to fascism. It does lead sure. to. No, you're not. You know, you're not. You're not being over dramatic. I'm not no, trying to be over dramatic, but it's it like it's like it leads to totalitarianism. When you're not allowed to have it, to formulate your own opinion, because sure. if your opinion does not align with someone else's, and you get you get tarnished with you're in this pool or that pool. It really those people are, are detrimental to what they're preaching about defending, right? Well, what, I think you you've tapped into. I think I think that 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 censoring hate speech can be so dangerous. Go into that for me. What do you mean by because censoring I think hate that sometimes if you if some you need you need to know what it is you don't really agree with. You need to know what it, it is that's bad out there. Mm. You need to know what it is that's dangerous. You need to understand why it is that who you don't agree with. Sure. There are some really bad people out there with very bad opinions. You can't drive it underground. You can't solve it by thinking it's going to be driven underground. You have to know it's there and know how to, you have to, and then what do you do? What do we say? You know it's there. You've heard it. You don't like it. You go read a book. You go and learn about it. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing, All right, man. Guys, seriously, seriously, thing. if you want to know anything from this podcast, fuck off. Stop listening to the podcast. Go read a book. Go read go a read journal. It. Like, go and do something with your life, man. Like, go and fucking an educate interest, yourself. Develop an interest in the pursuit of knowledge. Absolutely. You can't, you can't, you, you, you can, and that, and then we, we can talk about our education system and how terrible it is. Well, I, I don't want to hit it too hard because I've, I've hit the education system. There are a lot of problems with the education system in which, the world. It depends on which one, and they all have different issues. It all have different issues, dude. There are some that are great, but I don't think mm. that we get taught how to learn. No, Very you get well. taught how to memorize. You don't get right. The one thing you get taught that information. Yeah, university can do this. It doesn't always do sure. this. It depends on the degree you go for, I believe, and it also depends so, on the, in the university. I you're just in. want to be careful with that. I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, no, no one except those who adhere to outrage culture are would would believe that you know to say that um, 
saying that someone with rep reprehensible opinions has should be able to express their opinion is the same as saying they are uh it's okay it's okay for them to do so sure that's the problem the boundary between those is gone you can't say you, you know why it's i it's it's there is an ideology in people that is now really we're we are invaded mm -hmm. by mentally mm -hmm. that has stopped us from being able to disassociate between saying you should be allowed to say whatever you want but not necessarily but that, that and knowing that that is not the same as agreeing with them. Not, just, not just agreeing this with is, them but this is even Voltaire. if you if, if you may, say I, may, I disagree with what you say but i will defend to the death your right to say it because sure. you need to allow that is the only medium through which we actually progress and understand the world is free it's discourse, speech and you mate. Need to do that mate it's discourse it's the idea of argument right and an argument and yeah. used to inherently be healthy and 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 i believe that in the last 15 years you've got this um idea that argument is is evil it's it's bad you should always agree and 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 what that's created in in western culture is a divide it's created a massive a massive a massive crack where it's this way or it's that way. There is no room in the middle to disagree on some parts and agree on other parts. It's you're either, it's again, we're talking about identity politics. We're talking about outrage culture. I just simply think that I'm not quite sure what's happened in the last 15, 20 years in terms, I don't know if it's educational systems. I don't know if it's 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 social media and what it's it's affected in terms of young minds. I don't know if it's money. I don't know. Maybe it's a mixture of all of them. But what I'm sad about and I think you'll vibe me on this, is that we could be at dinner right now and we could have totally opposite opinions on a subject. But we sure. both know, we both know that we're coming from a good place and we could probably understand each other's point of views, whether we agree or not, we could probably understand where we're coming from. But in generalities, in, in terms of just tweeting out or, um, or, or if you're on fucking CNN for six hot minutes or whatever it might be, there that doesn't exist anymore. It's black and white. I feel like the lack, the death of the shade of gray has hurt our society i feel like the lack of shade of gray the lack of depth that you can have in an argument and it has to be this way it has to be that way has killed our ability for democracy in that way like democracy the whole point of fucking democracy was the ability to argue your point right to, to, to not everyone's gonna agree with you and your job is to get as many people to agree with you as possible and still be ethical about it and not mistreat the people that disagree with you. That was the point of fucking democracy. It was it was voter's choice. And and now we're in a world, we're in a fucking world, not a country, but a world where democracy is dead in that respect and you're either all all in on that side or you're all in on the other side and get fucked if you try and you know, be a normal person in the fucking middle and try and like get a little bit of that and get a little bit of that. Like it's, it's sure. dude, it, what the fuck happened? What has happened in the last 10 years that has shifted the paradigm so drastically that that level of thinking, that level of, of understanding that's been prevalent for 600 fucking years in education has just been burned away. It's just been completely disintegrated. We're, we're now in a level of just, it's this or it's that. It's black or it's white. How can you possibly create a debate or an argument or, or a point of view for yourself when you're either left or you're right, right? Whether you're either black or you're white, you're blue, you're green. Like it doesn't, I just, I get lost in it now. I get totally See, this lost is why, in it. This is why I want you to start taking up a career in acting because that was brilliant. <laughs> there we go. There we go. You heard it here first, all right? You heard it here first.
I'm saying, dude. I'm just saying. It's I there. Just, it's waiting for dude, you. Dude, it blows my mind that, like, you can have someone like you who understands the, the, the complexity of an argument. Just in general, when you when you break down the structure of what an argument would be, doesn't matter what the argument's about, right? But you 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 break down what an argument is, dude. That is what Western society was fucking built on, and now we're saying, well, fuck that shit. It's way too sensitive. Well, then you stop having a democracy. Then you start having this like fake democracy that's really a a, a monarchy or a fascist a fascist establishment or whatever it is behind the scenes because you're not sure. allowed to have an opinion anymore you're not allowed to even yeah. argue an opinion you can have an opinion but god fucking help you if you're trying to argue for what you're trying to stand for no one will give you the time of day because before you could even make the first argument you get pulled into the left or right the black or white right i just think that especially in your industry where everything is so politicized i'm not talking about america here i'm just talking about your industry in general you could be a fucking a Bollywood actor, you'll still be fucking just as politicized, right? You're in an industry where it's so high strung, it's so prevalent, it's so outspoken and public. And and you you, you a, a great example is like when you look at where politics has gone in, in America, in Hollywood has has kind of um, uh, mirrored it, right? So I mean, Hollywood is very left leaning. And, and when there's a left-leaning president, it's a very pro-president. And when it's not a left-leaning president, it's very anti-president. How do you, as a person who's not even a fucking American, right? How do you, as a person who's in that industry and you live it every day of your life? And did you say, did you say who's... Well, you is just, that what you said? You legit just cut out when you said that. What did you say? What, what did you say? Did you say if, if, as someone who is not an American? Or yeah, as, you, someone, as someone who's not even American, right? You're living, okay. in the, you're living in this land of, of politics and business. It's not just politics. It's, it's business, man. It's how money's made. But you're coming in there as an expat who's doing a bit of both on either side of the aisle, right? In terms of, of, of location, England and, 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 and LA. How do you – I don't know. One, I don't know if you deal with this every day in terms of business and, and like roles and actors. And, and I don't know if you do or not, but – Regardless if you do or not, is it something that is oppressive to your everyday business? Or is it something that's much more aware on social media but doesn't really hit home to the real money and real business of your of your career? Like what am I, what I I'm trying to say is like like you know, like with, with with social media they hype everything up, right? They hype sure. and so is the hype as real as the real day to day? Or is that just social media just fucking going for it? Flat you know, you know, fanning the flames. Like I'm just curious. <laughs> Uh, I think social media job at giving you that bit of extra sexiness and, and a bit of spice, yeah. a little bit of spice, a little bit of spice, yeah, yeah, a little bit of spice, bit of sexy spice. But I, I don't know, I don't think that. Um, I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, I don't quite know if I understand the question in sense that how is it how, like what's the difference between what is the reality and what. Sorry, let me what let me like let me clarify for you so understand. So the the reality online on social media is it's a hot shit show. Right, we know this. Okay. You've seen this. It's sure. it's always f inflammatory. It's always a, uh, an exaggeration of what the truth is. It's always a big right. fucking deal, and it's always you know when it comes to Hollywood, for example, it starts at a core thing and then it get blows up on social media, right? And you'll have every fucking person on the planet who's a content creator giving their opinion and you know trying to demonize it or angelicize it or whatever it might be but in the actual real world where you live and you're you're living every day and you're doing your roles and you're doing your jobs is it as truly 
inflammatory as it is on social media in your real life when it comes to business? Or is is, is social media just fanning the, the, the hypothetical pixel flames of what it really is? I'm just trying to understand, like, is what social media portrays, is it really truth or is it a completely well, I suppose it depends. Life. It suppose it depends each production what it is that social media is as an example portraying. I mean, I I I think that personally, if you're talking about what are the political what what's it like politically when you're working as an actor behind the scenes before a production comes out because you didn't you didn't mention that. Well, I mean, I, 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 I didn't try to, but it was part of it. Like, it's not the whole it's thing, but it. it's part of it. Yeah. I think I think that on a date as at what is it today? The thirteenth of October, two thousand eighteen. Yeah. I haven't had a major sort of. Um, I haven't. I, I. 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 I've. I've always noticed that it's pretty. Um, most sets I have worked have always had that kind of big pizzazz, and you know, there's, there's, there's. Most sets I've worked on have always been. There's been sets that have that that big pizzazz feeling. It's all very exciting and such, but not to the extent that social media portrays. It's, you know, it's a bit less. It's it's much. It's more grounded. Mm -hmm. But usually, as the actor, it's much more just about. It's much more just about what the quality of what it is you're filming. So it's more about the. Uh, I, I, I I think I think I think um, you know I think people create it's it bit, that people are trying to get into the imaginations of their viewers as much as possible by putting lots of kind of very uh lots of very very imaginative sparkles around the thing that you are going to end up watching. That's how it works. Whereas as the actor, when you're on set, it's much more real. It's much more background down to earth. It's much more it's the green room. Okay. Yeah. It's what? It's visceral. It's more tangible. It's more. You're I don't think it's visceral. I mean, it can be. It's what you, you how you're working. With. But it's it's much more. It it, it it it's a bit more gritty. Shall we say? It's more real life. It's, it's, okay, so it's less. It's yeah, less it's glamour just, it's a, it, and more. It's a bit more gritty. Right, I get it. You know, I mean, I, I remember, for example, I remember, for example, you know, we were, um, you know, I remember what's a, uh, we were right. Okay, here's a good example. Okay, there's a lovely film that I've just done. Okay, it's called Love Have I Known. It's mm -hmm. coming out very. It's coming out before the centenary of the Great War, the 11th of November Mate, this year. You love you I love play, the war stuff. <laughs> it's yeah. It, 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 there's war been stuff. war stuff recently. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, that's I'm, coming out soon. Okay. I don't know what kind of commercial there's going to be, what kind of, what kind of, um, is it coming out in cinema? It, it, or is it direct? Uh, it'll probably be online. Okay, cool. Okay. So, um, doing that has been very, very, like the, like the actual getting work done has been very, very intense. Like, you know, we didn't know how much we were going to be able to, we, 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 like the, some of the footage, it was, it was a very, very gritty. Experience because we lost some of the footage. It was like just a total mistake by someone else. And doing a lot of the action sequences were very, very intense. We had to just focus on making sure that every single day we were getting as much done work-wise as we could. The hours were all booked in, that we were really on it. We had to move so goddamn fast. Mm -hmm. So I find nowadays that when you're working, you're so in it. You're so you're all working towards something artistically that unless it's something that I really feel has got an agenda to it which sometimes you do when you read the script, uh, you're generally speaking all just going balls deep to get it as done as, as best as you possibly can. Right. So you sort of have to surrender a bit of your critical fact. You have to surrender your critical faculties a little bit just because you've got to, you've got to know what you're doing. Critical faculties to what the bigger, bigger picture is going to look like, because you've got to focus on the specificity, the specifications of your character sure, and how you're going to get the best job you can done. Right. So that's why you, you, you never know what you're going to really end up with until you sort of see the edit. Um, 
if you read the script and you feel like it's a bit too political or it's a bit too weird, then yeah, it's it's something you might veer away from. But generally, you're just working. You're just trying to get the job done as well as you can. So if you were not an actor, what would you be doing? I don't, I'm just like, this is not even a podcast question. This is more just I'm fucking in, I'm super interested in this idea. Like if you were not what um, you're doing right now, what is your, what would be your other passion? Like, what would you love to do? Not realistically what you'd be doing. You'd probably be like some social media marketer somewhere or like some, you know, like everyone else. But like, what would you love to do? Like if you weren't doing something anything? I love, um, I, I have always been interested in, I, I think aspects of, I was interested for a while in journalism. I liked, I liked journalism. Oh, in journalism. How, am okay. I coming through clearly? No. Yeah. You just cut out that one point. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, I've been interested um, in journalism for a while. I, I know a lot of journalists. It's a rough life. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's a difficult one. It's, you've got to be really working hard, but I, I, I like, I like the lifestyle. I like the idea of living a lifestyle where you are in the pursuit of information. So, because it's, because at least then you're a little safer in some of your opinions, you know, so many people now opinionated rather than informed and also obviously there is a creative there is a creative side to it you've got to be very creative with your writing you've got to want to pursue some kind of truth you've got to have some integrity and i think there is a lifestyle if if the way i understand it even though it's difficult i, I like the journalistic spirit i like the pursuit of of informing the public i mean i, I like the idea it's funny because i i nearly went into a career for journalism uh, back back when I left university, I was like, that was what I was gunning for. It was the it was the working for a newspaper or a magazine or whatever it might have been. Um, you know, I had a blog at the time, and uh, so I understand what you're saying. Like, it, it's it's more of a purest form of getting your voice out there, but you also have the protection of your of your journal or magazine or newspaper behind you that gives you that a little bit of buffer room so people don't just take it as an opinion but it's like yo this is from the globe mail or this is from the new york times and or whatever it might be that gives a little bit more credence to your actual opinion and it gives you a little bit of flexibility and freedom to be able to say what you want without having being so restricted by you know everyone else who has to be very careful about what they say because of the you know society that we live in today i i I've sure. that. i mean i think that it's 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 important i think that it's a sad time when journalism is on its deathbed, when it's where we need it the most. This is the time in, in our society where we need good journalism, we need fair journalism, and we need fair debate. And it's the it's the time where it's dying out, man. Like, and it's 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 the worst time. It's the, it's the worst timing for this shit to happen. Because um, what you're left with, what you're fucking left with is just bullshit assholes like me on Twitter telling you what i think like that's not what you want man. that's not what that's not what people are there for so it's it's you know it, it might be what they're there for but it's not what educates and and uh, uh promotes discussion you know what i mean it's, it's yeah right right and i think it's a shame i mean in terms of in terms of what you're trying to do like there's a lot of actors out there and a lot of uh celebrities and and public figures that have charities and uh or, or, or do stuff and a lot of it's politicized and a lot of it's fucking brand and a lot of it's trying to get money but i know that we talked about you having a, a passion for um you had a passion for, what the fuck was it it was i know it's languages it's, it's, thank you it's it's not it wasn't just helping people but it's it's the understanding of well it's not just languages man it's not it's not just 
I'd like to learn all the languages. I'm sure there's part of that, but it's, it, I think from, for at least, let me just psychologically evaluate you right now. Okay. You went and did a film about connecting with people. Okay. You did Resonance. It was about the idea of someone that isn't great at connection, but thirsts for connection. And they've got a disability that prevents that connection. Okay. And you're also personally very involved with trying to learn languages. Is there a connection there between the idea of wanting to... But it's, it's also about someone who speaks the same languages, uh, who speaks the same language as you, and yet no one feels like they can talk to. Sure. Right, that isolation act. Very important idea. Very, very important that. It's very important that, that, that distinction. It's an isolation feature, and I think that's incredibly... Yeah. It's valid, and it's very gritty, and it's very true. But when it comes... But com that, that is the crux of it. I, I highlighted that because that's the crux of my love of languages. I mean, I, by the way, I only speak French and Spanish, and I don't speak them completely fluently. I speak French better than I do Spanish, but I'm that was doing my every question. day. Like, do, do you love languages because you're trying to increase your connection with multiple types of people and a broader, a broader group of people? Is that where your love of, of trying to learn languages comes from? Because you told me on our pre-prep call that you wanted, if you could, you would love to low, like be fluent in every language. Right? Is if that, I had a superpower, it would be, that exactly. If you had a superpower, it I, would be, I wouldn't fly or be invisible. It would be, be understanding be everyone. Is, is does that come? And, and, and maybe resonance peeks into this a little bit. Maybe not. But does that come from a root of wanting to just have a deeper connection with loads more people, or is it just the ability to know and 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 love? A, a language that you know because language is art right like language is beauty in itself like you know you listen to portuguese and i think it comes i think it comes from a place of wanting to make few people feel that if they feel ice if they are if they feel if they feel isolated by the fact they can only speak a single language that there is something that they can do to learn there's something that 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 there is a way that what's the right way of phrasing it It's something. It's to do with anyone who feels, who feels they are cut off, and feels up, up feels they are cut off from being able to properly communicate with someone because they don't speak their language. I want them to feel that 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 fear that fear is is that fear isn't that, that it's not it's no right not, like it's not validated it's not true it's not a valid feel you may feel that you can't talk to someone because they don't speak your language but you're not right you can learn language and you can learn to talk to someone okay i mean you learn your own, we all speak our own language we all speak many we all speak um we all speak our own per single language but you had to learn it and you can learn other languages and you don't have to be I don't, I don't like anyone who I, I don't like people to believe that I'm not interested in not wanting to know about them because they speak another language. That would be it for me. Okay. But I don't, I want, I want people to feel that they can try and learn another out it being a massive, terrifying leap of faith that they're never going to succeed at. Because I think there is so much that you achieve when you speak another language, I think I think I get... feel that you grow in so I feel you grow in so many ways because not only are you you are reaching out into an unknown, you're mm -hmm. stepping into a culture. I mean, I have never been to Argentina, for example. I don't know what it's like. I speak Spanish fairly, not very good. All right, better than me. I'm, lear I'm learning. Okay, 
I know Spain, but I've never been to Argentina. But if I had to go, I'd have to step into that universe and I'd have to show I can tr- I'm trying to learn. I want to show people that I care. That's what it's about. Okay, I understand I want, to pro- I want to show you that I care. That's what learning a language is for me. It's about demonstrating I, I am interested in something outside of my own understanding of the world and culturally as well as linguistically enough to want to enough to want to care so i I consider it i consider learning a language to be an act of 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 aspiration for 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 aspiration for connection i mean let's be honest though right there's there's a matter there's some seriously intelligent beautiful sorry can i just finish that aspiration connect aspiration for connection of something that would seemingly appear Say that's that one more thing. time because you I cut want, out there. Say that one more time. Aspiration for a connection with something that seemingly appears to be out of reach. Okay. So the illusion that you're never going to speak their language is not is is not so. And I and I and I feel for me, I I really want to break that barrier. And it's very important for me that I, I in my life, I would love to learn Portuguese and Russian mm-hmm. as well. Come over to my house. My my wife will teach you Russian. How about that? Oh yeah, cool. You know, she'll, she's Perfect. she's Ukrainian. Done. She's fluent in Russian. She's Spasiva. Uh, Spasiva. Spasiva. I was right. right? right. There's a really you know, lovely word, and I I don't I don't know if I'm right about this. This is one word my father taught me because he spoke Russian. It's a lovely word. I think I'm going to pronounce it wrong. So forgive me. Don't Russian, even but I, I don't know. Go for it. So it's one of my favorite sounding words. It's a rush. It's the Russian word for miracle. Oh okay. And the word, Russian word for miracle is Kristamost. I think it's something like that. Yo, hold on. Ask, Yo, your, babe, ask your wife. Is that accurate? What's the Russian word for miracle? Babe? Don't leave me hanging. Milena! <laughs> Milena she's got her What's earphones on. Milena! Wait. Everyone's asking out? Milena now. Like, What's the Russian she's saying word? You, he's, she's saying that you're doing a religious version of it. Like from a church, what's what's a normal right. word for saying miracle? Right, no, but Judah. that's it. That's it. That's what I'm talking so, about. So, what's, so, sorry, what's the religious word? Christanos. Miracle. Christanos. Okay. Okay. Christanos. Okay. okay. It literally means Christ. Christ. Yeah. Bridge. Okay. But you don't have to be religious. I know. I get that. I get that. But it's, but it's, it's a lovely a bridge i get that i to think or from christ dude i, I, I think you'll agree with me here that you know i think that like, i love that a barrier a, a barrier between language is a loss of understanding someone who's beautiful like you can have the most beautiful person in the world like not physically i'm talking about like their mind right like we're talking yeah. about like beautiful Fair understanding it. beautiful uh, depth of perception of, of of morality of ethics or whatever it might be and you'll never know unless you can communicate with them. And I feel like that bridge, like you're just talking about, right? Like that the, the, the bridge of connecting from your realm to someone else's realm is so key, right? And I'm, I'm very inspired by you because um, like I'm not a big language guy, but I understand that like I'm missing out on so many people by the fact that I don't understand what they're saying, right? Like I go to a country. Um, people, people, I mean, obviously not to dig it in, but people love absolutely love if you spoke korean whatever sure. you can do whatever you want it's a massive respect I mean, level man it's, it's it is it's, it's it, shows, it shows an affinity it shows an affinity and an affection and a care for human for human for people for, for 
I'm not trying to big this up, but I, I really believe this. This is really true, I believe. You show an affection and a love and an appreciation for humankind when you learn, another, when you try, you take the leap of faith of learning another language. Because most people have got those negative self-talks, those ne that negative self-talk that says, I can't, I shouldn't, I won't, and I don't need to. But this is the thing. Needing to is not the point. Wanting to is the point. Yep. Loving to. What, yep. it's, it's, it's about connect. It's about uh, love and connection. And I really believe, and I, so you can take the love bit out if you feel that corny, but it's about something much very, very deep. And mm -hmm. I really, uh, really feel that. Okay. So, I mean, we're going to wrap it up soon, but w the big question I want to ask you before we do the plugs and all the shit and whatever, what are you, what are you working on? What are your future projects, man? Like, what are you doing right now? What do you, uh, it, uh, some things I'm sure you're not going to be able to say, but are you like, what, what is the next thing for Eugene Simon? Like, what is, what are you? I mean, what the fuck are you cooking up in that kitchen? I want to know. What are you cooking up in the kitchen? So the kitchen for me, okay, I, I what currently is going to be coming out. This is the kitchen. This is the thing. What's what's ready to go. Okay. Made ready meals, okay, which are, which are being released. Okay. So we've already talked about The Lodges. That's mm -hmm. out on Netflix right now. You can go watch that it's anytime. fucking great. Go watch it. Um, I've also got a, uh, I've just, uh, I've done a film called Kill Ben Like, which is doing festivals at the moment. It's about a YouTube sensation that discovers to his horror that his, there is someone going around town murdering anybody who's got his name. So it's about him going into police custody and going on the run. Okay. That, so it's a very weird film. It's very manic, quite intense, quite insane. And where's that it's coming fun, out on? I don't know at the moment. Okay. It's doing festivals, but oh, it'll gotcha. be out soon. Okay. So there's that. So there's two. That's two. I've got Resonance, which you can watch right now. Head to video on my Twitter profile or my Instagram Or on my Discord. It's linked there as well. It's fucking great. <laughs> Go and watch it. I recommend 100% because it's fucking, it made me cry and I don't cry. Head and watch that and, and be in the, create your, create your own films if you feel passionate about it. And, and, you know, that's all done through Kickstarter, mm -hmm. you know. So that's the third thing. There's a fourth thing. There's another, another, another short film I've got coming out called Mensana, which I haven't heard about. Psychological thriller, mm -hmm. which is again doing some festivals at the moment. It's a small thing. I'll pop it online when I get a chance. Okay. And then I've got, I've got, and then I've got the film that I just talked to you about a second ago. It's a smaller length feature, but it's a um, called Love Have I Known, and it's going to be coming out. It's going to be coming out um, before the centenary of the, which is the eleventh of November. Called okay. Love Have I Known. Love Have I Known. Uh, okay. And I play the lead character in it. Amazing. And where, and where is that? Who, where, where can we watch that? From? So. So you will be able to see that at the moment we are going to try and I'm going to have to put this all on social media. Sure. So this is all going to come out on social media. You just to go and look it up there because you will find it. I will be messaging about it. Okay. Other than that, the other world, the world, those, so those are my four, five, whatever it was, things um, currently, uh, which are all going to be available and soon to be available. Mm -hmm. I'm now back to looking, I'm now back to the actor's life. I hunt for jobs and I think, and I, and really you're just going to have, you're going to have to wait and see. You're going to have to go on to. Yeah, I'm excited. To to I'm, 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 I'm excited. I think you get some good. I'm going to get, I think I, personal opinion. It could be totally wrong. It could be totally right. Don't know. My vibe is you're going to get some fucking heavy roles in the next couple of years, man. I think you're going to blow up. That's, that's my vibe. I think that you've done some, some, it's not just game of Thrones that carries you. You've done some amazing films that I've watched, whether it's the lodges or resonance, like resonance specifically that I'm thinking about where it shows your acting chops, shows your chops, man. And I think that you're going to, you're going to do some amazing shit. I, I'm really excited for, for the work that you put out and the art that you put out. And, uh, and it just, I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly thrilled for you and I'm very excited to watch myself as a viewer. Um, thank you very much. Seriously, very, very and, and thank you so much for uh, for coming on the podcast today. Um, I really appreciate. Well, it. I just have to say, I loved it. 
fantastic host. And I really think this podcast is such a such a great, lovely, but such a great, lovely platform because you've got such a great, honestly sincere, fun, cool, wacky, crazy, lovely, cool, embracing tone. I just love it. I think it's great. So I no, really I wish that. you. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I, dude, I love it. I think it's fantastic. We'll have to get you so back on. We'll have to get you back on. Yeah, yeah, I'll come to Toronto and we'll do this again. Hell when, yeah, we'll uh, do it in person when, next uh, time. When, when, when big things are happening for us both. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but thank you so much, man, for coming out. Do you want to just plug Thanks, any man. of your social media, any projects? I know you just talked about them, but if you want to plug them again, anything that you want to just say, yo, check out right now or be on the on the lookout for, go for it, man. Like whether it's your Instagram or it's your movies, I'm, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to finish up. I'm going to. Just follow me, guys. I'm. I, I like to. I, I like to have people who I can communicate with. It means I, I. I do genuinely, as I've said in this podcast, put up image content that I want to make. I want to matter. Uh, I want. I also. I want it to be. You know. Fu- I want it to be. I want it to be. I want it to be fun and sexy in some ways, but I also want it to be interesting and meaningful and uh, genuine and, and and grounded. So, kind of head on to Instagram and go to at Eugene E U G E N E Snaps, and go on to Twitter. And that's Eugene, spelled the same way, underscore Simon, S-I-M-O-N. Guys, and I'm on sure Facebook go and, too. Go and follow that shit, please. Uh, he's awesome. He also always a lot. There's a lot of posts on Twitter about like just cool shit that's happening, whether it's you know World War One in in color or whatever. He, he's he's an interesting guy. Trust me. If you if you like pockets, you like Eugene. How about that? If you don't like pockets, <laughs> you still like Eugene. How about that? It's 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 a, it's a <laughs> it's it's a great place to be. Um, Eugene, thank you so much for uh for being on the on episode four tonight, man. I really, really I'm glad so we much. were able to do it. It took a long time to figure out and get the schedules aligned. Yeah, and I'm and so happy time, it did. Next time so I'll happy. Have a it microphone did. that doesn't explode. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, like we're gonna you know the quality always continues used to be a thing that we deal with on this channel it's not just you eugene it's 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 every episode man all right um guys if you uh liked the podcast i appreciate you number one uh go and follow pockets xx on twitch that's twitch.tv slash pockets xx uh on youtube it's pockets oh sorry it's evening drinks xx on youtube uh same thing with uh twitter and instagram both handles work um and uh that was episode four of the podcast i don't know who's on episode five because i haven't gotten that far totally professional but thank you so much (laughs) for hanging out i be pockets mate and that's been eugene simon go and follow go and follow him watch resonance watch the lodges eugene go and watch that jim carrey film i talked to you about because it's really fucking i will man okay guys great episode thank you so much for hanging out i will see you next time episode five will be in a month or so from now I'll figure out who we're gonna have on, and uh, and uh, I'll see you. I'll see you soon, babes. All right, I have said all I have to say. We're gonna go to the goodbye screen because that's a thing. This is really <laughs> professional. Um, and uh, uh, to babes, Eugene, say goodbye. <laughs> that was a weird goodbye. There we go. It's it's over. Go and spread the love to other people. Hawk ye heathens. Go and spread the love to the angels of Jesus. I don't fucking know. Bye.